The MX Vice Show. Welcome to episode 85 of the MX Vice Show podcast, coming in hot after the MXGP of France at uh, La Capelle Maravelle. New track to the calendar, not new track to the riders. We'll get into that because that was certainly a, a little special experience. We're back this week, obviously week off last week. That was my fault. I hold my hands up. I was deathly ill on my deathbed. I saw the light at the end of the tunnel, but I fought it and I'm back here now for episode 85. As always, we would like to thank... Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Moto Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. We've got uh, Liat Ask Vice Anything coming up. Plenty of questions this week and some quite good ones as well. Planet Moto Bombshell of the Week. And maybe, but probably not, but maybe Armour You Smarter Than a Birth, but probably not. But maybe, you never know. So, you never know. This is part one, and part one is presented by Fly Racing, who have redefined expectations in safety and performance with a Formula helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rion technology, Conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1290 grams, we believe a formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the formula helmet has changed the game. Uh, Conrad Muse uses a formula helmet at the moment, as does many riders in the United States. And there will be, most likely, be a couple more MXGP riders next year as well. So uh, stay tuned for that news. With me this week is a man who actually went to a race not sure if that means he'll be any better on the podcast, but he was at least at the race, so that's a box ticked. And at this point, we all have very low expectations. Anyway, it's James Burfield. How's it going, James? It's going very, very well, Lewis. Uh, a little bit tired, not going to lie. That was uh, one hell of a, a journey. The MX Vice truck, again, the 10-year-old MX Vice truck managed uh, what felt like 5,000 miles down to the bottom of France. Just straight in with complaining. Uh, yes. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. It's a good road trip. We all caught up. Um. Yeah, it was fun. It was good fun. Did you have uh, fun? With fun this? might be fun is a strong term. Um, <laughs> the rest of us. It was adequately okay. Yeah, I, I I had an adequately okay experience. Just that, nothing more. How are you feeling? Because you were ill all weekend. Yeah, I feel like I shouldn't be doing this podcast to be honest. But how do I sound? Do I sound normal? Yeah, you sound fine. You sound okay. a lot more manlier than you usually are. Okay, that's good. Because in the little feedback in my headphones, I don't sound normal. So I just it's a bit of a weird experience. Uh, what did you think of La Capelle as a place? I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I, th- I thought the, uh, you know, I know what everybody's going to say. Uh, it was narrow, uh, not many passing opportunities. Well, 
everybody's been complaining this year about tracks with no passing, you know, places. We've actually got an event which literally the whole town embraced. Uh, it was unique. It's literally featured a football pitch in the middle. Um, 20,000 plus French fans. It was awesome to hear chainsaws once again. And just, just see that people coming out is busy. It was just awesome. I, I loved every single minute of it. And I just thought it was a, a, a very unique GP that we'll look back on um, and say, wow, that was, that was actually good. That's great. I thought it was terrible. Yeah, of course you did. No, terrible is a strong word. It didn't have a mall for you. So it didn't have a mall. There was no Five Guys or a McDonald's close by. Uh, so all those things are just no good. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the experience. I thought it was a cool place to go. The track was cool. The atmosphere was cool. The, the setup was cool because it was so different. One of those cool things that I will only, I'd only like to do once because I feel like if I go again the coolness, the uniqueness will kind of have gone and then it'll be like, okay, the spark has gone now. Like it, it was a first time event, so it had a bit of a spark to it. Obviously, the more you go back, that spark goes away. Unless you're, unless it's a unique circumstance like Erne or St. John or somewhere like that. But um, yeah, just for arse end of nowhere. Honestly, I don't, think, I don't think these people know that a world exists beyond their town, I'd imagine. Because like, even if they want to go on holiday, they've got to drive like 17 hours to an airport. Yeah, but it was all like the track. Whoa. So that was you moaning. So basically everything else was cool apart from it was in the middle of nowhere. So now you want motocross tracks to be designated near a city. No, 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 not, no, not that. It was just a very, um, not that. I, I didn't, I thought the track was good because it kept close racing. As we know, if it's hard to pass and it's tight, that leads to actually better racing because everyone's close. When the track gets rough, technical, and a rider can really use their skill set, and that's when the race there's more separation because um, talent shines through. So the racing was exciting from that point of view, but it was it was very narrow. Like there wasn't many passes at all, if any. So what can you do with that? Like, I don't think. Okay, you loved it. You loved it. You for your your high on life. It was, it was a unique experience. La Capelle or Ernay for the French GP next year. Not oh, Ernay because Ernay is just La Capelle or Saint John for the French GP next year. St. John. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It was a good, it was a unique experience. It was called cool once, however, no way does that trump St. John or Erne. And therefore, no way do I think we should go back. But a great fourth option. Fourth? Third. What's the third? <laughs> third. <laughs> there is, there's, that's the thing though, with France, there's so many tracks. I don't know if Villa's Susacot is still an option. We, we actually went there quite a lot and then it's like, I'm pretty sure it's still used. I think I saw someone was riding there the other day for practice. But I don't know if that's actually still an option for the MXGP series. But I didn't like that place anyway. That wasn't very good. That, was, that, that again didn't rival Ernay or St. John at all. Although it probably was better than like, La Capelle. Like, the track was pretty, um, pretty spectacular. Like long downhill and tight UE and then straight back up. Like, that was quite cool. Bit Fox Hills vibe to it. A lot of people online who watched on TV said they really liked it. Yeah, but this is, I said this to a rider in an interview. I watched the EMX classes on TV and I thought, fuck, this trail looks cool. Like, this looks cool on TV. And then when I went out there for the races, I, like in person, I was like, eh, oh, this doesn't have the same coolness to it that it did on TV. But it's similar to Oss. Like, Oss was a similar track in a way that it was tight and it was, the fans were close and all of that stuff. And it looked cool on TV. Because you get the whole atmosphere is captured on TV. So 
Quaptured. Quaptured, yeah. What's, what's quaptured? Or do you mean captured? The fact that you don't know says it all, James. Yeah, anyway, so what did you think of being back at GP? Yeah, it was awesome. I had a... It was just so good. You know, it's not through choice that I don't want to be there. Obviously, but home situation's a little bit uh, testing at the moment. So, um, you know, I want to be at the GPs, and I really did miss... When I, when I was there, I realized how much I missed being at a GP. It's hard work. It's, it's tiring. It, you, uh, you forget. It's like early mornings, late nights, a uh, little sleep crap food because uh, we end up in McDonald's all the time. But I do actually really miss being at the GPs. I miss catching up with people. I miss sort of, and it's, it's you know, you know, if you ever say to me, uh, we don't need to be a GP, we do. Because the amount of information I picked up over a weekend was ridiculous. And that's the information which you, you don't get. You only get if you're there. So, um, you know, I don't know how anybody can do their job by not being at a GP. Do you have more respect for me after the weekend? Uh, I, I tell you what, because you realise that it's not for. a jolly. You realise I'm not on a jolly every weekend. Like you were very shocked when I told you that I can't leave the track until 10 p.m. on Friday on Sunday, didn't you? Had a right little wobble. Well, I haven't been away that long, so um, I know exactly what goes into it. But what I will say is uh, the one thing which struck me was uh, the amount of riders, team owners, uh, team managers, mechanics. Uh, family members of everybody I spoke to were, were all, you know, really forthcoming and saying what a great job you, Sean and Wes, have been doing for MX Vice. Um, and that, that, that for me was, um, you know, a real, real plus. So I already know how hard it is, but for them saying about, you know, that they respect you because obviously they can talk, talk to you, talk to Sean and Wes and nothing goes out, you know, everything stays where it should be. Um, yeah, I think, I think that was the, the biggest takeaway from the weekend was just how professional you guys are. So that was good. Yeah, I don't know why that's, part, like, that's, where, that's where it's weird because you're so far, like, that's, I'm just like, yeah, that's kind of how we operate. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why that was news to you. Anyway. No, it's just nice to hear. It wasn't oh. news. It was just nice to hear. So, MXGP class. Herlins took the red plate back. He lost it for one week. We all know what happened there. We actually have to get into that again based on what Prado said. So he lost the red plate for one week, got it back now. He's got a four-point lead, I think, or is it six points? Uh, six-point lead. Six-point lead over Fevra, who's second now. Ten points over Geyser, who's third now. I would say that maybe that was, Fevre, uh, that was Hurling's most impressive GP of the year. Purely because of a midway point of each moto, I thought there was no way he was coming back. And like, I could watch in the team's pit board, they were putting on there, like trying to encourage him, like, nothing is over... You never know, like, blah, 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 blah. And I, I was like, man, I don't think, like, they were obviously trying to get him fired up. And I was like, I don't think this is going to happen. Like, I just don't, I don't really see how this can happen. And then out of nowhere, both times, came up a bit short in the first moto, but Herlin's ramped it up two seconds a lap faster than anyone, closed down pretty quickly. And yeah, kind of showed his true ability level on a bike. Like, very impressive. I thought very, um, maybe his most impressive ride of the year. Thoughts? Yeah, hundred percent. He, um, I think he left it a little bit late in the first in the first race. I think he wanted to go a couple of laps earlier. Uh, obviously, closed down. But um, yeah, it was just a great performance. Great performance to, you know, it was a, a difficult track as you had to get the start. You had to you had to be quite aggressive at the start. The, the track lent itself to, you know, whoever could have gated first, and the pressure was on him to make sure he achieved that. I think it was just a great performance all round. Um, 
from him. And he's doing, he just seems to be doing everything he needs to do at the right time. But I think still riding within his means and not pushing to the point where he's going to um, cause mistakes. Do you agree? Yeah, there's almost not much to say about Erlings because he's just doing everything right at the moment. Even his starts, like I was thinking at the weekend, suddenly he's become a very good starter. Like, I can't really think of a time recently where he's where he started eighth. Like, he seems to have even got that part down to where he's not even playing catch-up in the motos and the other guys have got to catch him, which Feather did in the first moto, fair play. But obviously that's a daunting task for anyone in the world if you're coming out the first turn and more often than not, Hurlings is in front of you. Like, that's, that's not an ideal situation for everyone. So, in my mind, there's no doubt Hurlings wins this title. And I actually think that he could... I said it before, I think he could turn this into a runaway before this thing's over. Mainly because, main reason I think that is, let's not forget, he probably would have extended his points lead in Germany had he not been torpedoed out of the air. (laughs) So, had he done that, and then France, his points lead would actually be probably quite healthy right now. I mean, six points is like obviously really nothing. Uh, It'd probably be, it'd definitely be over 10, and it'd probably be pushing 15, which makes quite a big difference. So, yeah, I just think everything, I don't think there's any way that anyone can kind of take away from Hurlings at the moment or point to a negative. I think everything's ticking quite, quite nicely in that camp. I was actually impressed with um, Romain February the weekend. I, I thought he had the speed of Hurlings and he was unlucky not to take the overall win. He, and he pushed Hurlings right away for both races. I think, you know, you know I, I have not been, uh, I think at the start of the year, you kind of said you actually fancy him for the title. And to be six rounds uh, left to go and only being six points behind the leader. I think that's been a big surprise for me personally, obviously not for you because you called it. But um, yeah, I think he rode really well the weekend as well. Speaking of Hurlings Fevre, KTM protested Fevre's win in the first moto because if you watch the highlights, uh, when Fevre made the pass on Hurlings, he set it up from inside of the track markers. So he ran it up the inside of Hurlings, but how he got the angle on that was he was inside of the track markers. The FIM said no dice and basically said, like, it's fine. But yeah, just a little interesting thing that was happening behind the scenes in between motos. But um, no, Fevra is a weird one because on one hand, that was a super impressive GP. But on the other hand, I feel like once again, he let an opportunity slide because I feel like that was his 1-1. That was his 1-1 day. And I feel like right now he should be tied for the red plate with Jeffrey. And like, so... Again, very impressive, very fast, very capable, but we know that. We've seen that all year. I think he should have won both motos. And so once again, I'm left scratching my head because I'm a little bit like, well, what's the missing piece here? Because I don't think it's speed. I don't think it's fitness. So I don't know what it... I can't... It's not... Okay, the mistakes, but there weren't even really mistakes in France. So I don't really know what to point you to. It's almost like he's just missing 0.5 of a percent and that's costing him one or two points at every event, which obviously is far from ideal when you're in a championship battle as close as this. Yeah, I agree. I don't, it's hard to put your, your finger on what is actually missing because there isn't seem to be anything missing. I think at the end of the day, maybe Hurlins is just that little bit, little bit more, you know, just not, not a level, but just a little bit better than, than everybody else, which is why he's, he is where he is. Do you think, um, who's got a better chance at the title now? Fevre or Geyser? Good point. Uh, Only four points apart, so basically tied. But who would you, if you want to pin a competitor for Jeffrey, who would you put it down as? Well, did you speak to Tim the weekend? No. 
So we don't know like what percentage he's kind of riding with with the collarbone. He's still in he's still in some discomfort, but I think I think it's far like I don't think it's anything almost worth talking about at this point because this we've seen riders come follow a similar timeline to this in the past and be fine by this point. Like he won last week. So it's not like this week the collarbone stopped him from being in the top three in Moto One. No, but you know, the pain and he's obviously on some type of painkillers and stuff like that, which obviously dulls the senses. Um, because it actually dulls everything else. Um the my my worry would be uh carrying that injury, and obviously he's not been able to let it rest and stuff like that, but carrying that injury into the next six rounds, which the six rounds are basically over a month. So obviously uh, sort of riding Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, I just wonder whether that's gonna take some sort of toll. No, I have zero concerns. Okay. Okay. Especially by the time we get to the Trentino triple header, that'll be five weeks on. And typically, a doctor will say for a collarbone, you're looking at five to six weeks. So, yeah, with rest. Yeah, but no, he's not rested. No, but men, we've, we've, got, we've got a case study for this because so many riders have followed a similar path. So, we do have a bit of a case study of what it's like to race with a broken collarbone and how the recovery process looks. Well, just, just on um, current form, then I'd have to go with February. Yeah, I don't. I think, that's, I think I will say Geyser purely because I think it's disrespectful to not say Geyser. But I think they are very close right now. And I think these are good tracks for Fevra coming up. They are. I mean, they're obviously great tracks for Geyser. We know how good Geyser is at Trentino. But uh, the last Trentino last year, was it the second to last one of them, Fevra ran, ran with Geyser the entire moto. So if Fevra can find that speed again, they, and they, they both can find that speed again, maybe they both use Trentino to their advantage. We haven't seen Jeffrey race at Trentino in a long, long time. 2018 would have been the last time, sir. And obviously he won there, so, you know, there's that. But, yeah, Trentino's going to be interesting just because Geyser will say that's a great track for me. Fevra's going to say that's a great track for me. So money where your mouth is kind of thing. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Let's go to this, actually, quickly. So Fevra's riding for Kawasaki next year. It's not going to be the same team. The uh, factory team is heavily, heavily rumored to be going to Ice One. The second seat isn't decided yet. It's not a secret. No rider has been told they are the rider. No one has been told you're in. So there are many riders in the paddock in limbo because they're just waiting to find out if they've got this factory seat, which is the last factory seat available. Honda's full, Yamaha's full, KTM's full, Husky's full, Gas Gas is full. So of all the free agents, obviously all of them want factory seats. And Kawasaki is it, essentially. Unless, again, unless you want to count Beta as a factory seat, but I don't really do that because beta isn't a sought after like oh i want to be on a beta so what kawasaki have told riders is a decision will be made after italy 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 being trentino trentino is where bra Ramay is going to make his fill-in debut on the kx450 so kawasaki obviously waited to see what he does which once again confuses the hell out of me because like what well, I don't know what they think they're getting in Trentino. Like, waiting to see what he does. Do they think they're going to get a top six? Because they're not. Top, top three. <laughs> oh, we'll wait and see. Because, like, realistically, Borromay is going to be 10th to 15th. So, I don't know what they expect to see there. But that is essentially holding up the entire paddock. Because no one wants to sign for a quote-unquote B team when the Kawasaki option is still open. Right now, I think the favourites for the Kawasaki seat are Borromay or Vlanderin. I think they are the favourites. but. 
we will see. And yeah, that's why there's not really much team news at the moment because everything's just waiting on that decision. Once that decision gets made, the remaining free agents are going to just sign for the next best team because obviously the factory option's gone. But no one's going to do that before the factory door is completely closed. So still unknown who Fever's teammate's going to be next year. The, the worrying thing, uh, which I took away from the paddock, and unless there is some, some big changes next year, which uh, I'm, I'm unaware of, there's, there just seems to be a bigger gap now between the factory teams and the satellite teams with you know, many of the satellite teams now like having little like, mistakes or problems or issues with me- mechanicals and stuff like that. And they seem to be more apparent. So that's kind of worrying, really, that you know, you've got um, obviously Ben, you've got Vlanderen, We've got Boirame, who's, who's going to be going up. You've got, is Jacoby signed for another year? Yeah, he's back with Jackie Martins. Okay, so Jacoby's back with um, Jackie Martins. We know that Jackie Martins is looking for a second rider. Yeah, Chervelin's out. Yeah. And you've got, obviously, Ben could have an option with Yamaha, but it depends on like where else can he be put on Yamaha. That could be a Geben. Uh, Jazakonis, is, is that any, any news on Jazakonis? No, but this is a very long-winded explanation. So back to your original point, there's always been a difference between factory and satellite. That is why there's a, that's why they're called factory and satellite. I think the only reason it's more apparent now is the riders are more open to talk about it. True. That's the only difference. The riders are actually openly saying like, oh yeah, I miss this, I miss this, I miss this. That's why it's more apparent. Obviously, there was always this gap because it's not like satellite teams five years ago were operating on a factory level because if that was the case, you would have seen satellite teams build world champions. The hierarchy hasn't changed. The only difference is that people are being more vocal now. And we love them for it. Yeah, we do. We do. Big weekend for Jeremy Sewer. He was fourth overall, tied for the podium. That's huge for him because he's been on a rough little rocky road for a little while now. And he is definitely, he's definitely got a bit of a spring in his step again. Even like talk to him off the bike. He's more like himself again. A bit more like alert and a bit more aware and a bit more like, got a bit more about him. So um, yeah, he's definitely on the up. And we'll probably be on the podium here shortly. And you know what's funny? Is if you look at the championships, the Sewer's had a horrible year. He's had one podium, which is very un-Sewer-like, and just had a kind of Blair year. But if you actually look, he's not far from the top five. It's not unrealistic that he puts the bike in the top five, which would be a success, I think, for this year he's had. So yeah, just another little, just another little, uh, another little story to follow there. His starts were really good as well. His initial jump out of the gate each time was very, very, very good. I don't want to sort of you know, sort of throw the game away already. But there was some reasons behind uh, Jeremy's uh, turn of fortune uh, this week. And if you wait to the end of the podcast show with the James Burfield post-race podcast, uh, you will actually hear why there's a turning point. If you're over 50 years of age, or you have a humor similar to that of a person over 50 years of age, this is for you. Mm. Whatever, Lewis. I think you're just a little bit... Sewer also pointed out in a very interesting point that Caroli, who obviously whole shot the second moto, was running a scoop tyre and obviously not, not a normal move on a hard, slick, hard-packed French track. But apparently Lapucci did it in EMX 250 and that's where the riders got their ideas from. And Sewer was thinking of doing it, but decided that his starts were good enough anyway. So as far as I can make out, Caroli was the only one riding a scoop tyre in that second moto. And off the back of it, he got a whole shot. But that's happened a few times this year. The scoop tyre is starting to come out more and more on hard-packed tracks purely for the start. 
that is definitely a thing that's progressed this year. This is not the first instance of that. It's definitely something that, definitely something that's like, you know, on the up, a little bit of a fashion trend, if you will. Prado. So, Prado was back. Let's talk Prado because it seems to be spoken about. Let's start, let's start here. There were people last week who said that, who publicly said that Prado sustained nerve damage in his hand. And that's why he was in hospital. These people were just desperate for attention. Desperate to be the first ones to break news. Desperate to be at the forefront. Except they were breaking wrong news. There was never any nerve damage there. There was never, that was never a thing. He did need surgery. The cut was so deep that he needed surgery just because the doctor had to go in there, clean it out, and double check that everything was okay. So he did have surgery. Right under his uh, right armpit or left armpit? What, wait, what, wait, what direction was he facing me? Right armpit, I think, if I'm imagining the position he was stood in when he showed me correctly. But either way, that doesn't matter. So yeah, had stitches inside and out under his armpit. Wasn't sure if he was going to race in uh, France until uh, Sunday morning, but did so and salvaged points. So that was good. The second motor was definitely um, much better as well. He was there to salvage points for the championship. He's not interested in finishing second or third in a point. So that does nothing for him. He's certainly not there to do that by no means. So in his mind, he's still thinking championship. And you know what? Why not? He isn't out of this thing. Although, Jesus, that's a bigger gap than I thought it was. He's 62 points down. I thought it was more in the, I thought it was in the 40s. So yeah, that is a, that is a, okay. So, okay. It's a long shot. It's a very long shot. <laughs> where, where, where the hell are you going with this? It's a, it's a long shot, but he was there to get points for the championship and hoping to win the championship. So that was his, that was his reasoning for racing. I feel a bit sorry for Prado because last year he got himself into a good position and then COVID ruined his championship charge. And last week, he got himself into a good position and then Airborne Antics ruined his championship charge. Whether you think that's his I like this or not. What? Airborne Antics, I like this. Yeah, Airborne Antics. Whether you think that's his fault or not. Prado says it isn't. Prado says that it was a racing incident and everyone's at fault, and it's all just one basically unfortunate situation where there were many factors. The factors Prado pointed to is that he took a different rut at the bottom of the finish, which was straight to begin with, but had a bit of a kink in it towards the end, so that shot him off to the right. Uh, second factor is the track exit was off to the right anyway, so he thought like, oh, okay, I'll just go to the right because that's where I need to go anyway. And ever since this interview... Another rider has contacted me and said they did think that was a possibility when they watched it. They did think that maybe Prado was thinking, I need to go off a track to the right. So that's another, not a current MXGP rider, but that is a rider. That theory holds weight. Okay, just clarify that one. And then the third factor was that he did not realize that he was in a drag race to the finish with Hurlings. Because in his words, and to be fair, this was something I thought of. When there's a battle for the lead going into the last corner, typically the rider in second makes an attempt in the last corner, fails, and then backs off. Typically. Hurlings didn't do that. Hurlings drag raced Prado to the finish, as is his right. The checkered flag wasn't out until the finish jump. Hurlings is more than in his right to charge until the finish jump. That, there was nothing wrong with what Hurlings did there. However, I can understand that Prado maybe presumed that Hurlings wasn't doing that. I can understand that. 
But that doesn't mean that Hurlings is in the wrong because Hurlings is in every right to charge to the finish and he was only 0.138 or something off of Prado at the end. So clearly he was close enough to charge to the finish. So those three things were pointed to by Prado as um, the three reasonings. A pro rider has confirmed for a track exit to the right. I, I believe the whole didn't realize Hurlings was there. And the rut, if you watch the re- DMX GP TV replay from behind, you can see that he isn't in the rut he kind of intended to go in. And you can see he gets a little bit off balance and a bit of a hook. You can visibly see that. So I don't think, what, I don't think anything that Prado said was wrong or incorrect or just lies, essentially. Obviously, a lot of people wanted him to just come out and say sorry. I respect him for speaking his truth. I respect him for standing up for his thoughts. I respect him for actually having his honest say. Whether you agree with his opinions or not, I respect him for actually voicing his side completely without worrying about what people think or anything like that. So fair play to him for that. But yeah, so this, was, this, this is now a big thing because everyone, this interview was quite long. Prado took it and ran with it. And he um, really went in debt. So we appreciate Prado for that. Thank you for giving me that interview. But yeah, so that's, that's now stirred right back up because everyone's talking about this interview. Thoughts, James? Uh, I think I actually, for the f- first time in a long time, commented on an MX Vice uh, Instagram post when basically, oh, no. I agree. I, um, <laughs> oh no. I, uh, whether you agree or you disagree, the key thing is, is we've not had this, I don't think, in MXGP for a long time where riders are actually willing to put their opinions and, and thoughts out there. We, we usually get the yes, no, we well, used to get the yes, no things or, you know, not want to talk about a skirt across it or whatever. It's just nice now that riders feel comfortable enough to be able to be themselves in, in, in talk. And, and it, you know, whether you agree or you disagree, you have to respect that rider is, is willing to actually talk and actually put what his thoughts out there. So from my point of view, I'm just, I just, I just enjoy the fact that it's not just like, like robots anymore. It's, it's more, you know, they're being more true to themselves. And I, th- I, I applaud uh, Prado for, um, for literally coming out and, and being like that. It's, it's just refreshing. Yeah, that's what I agree with that. And I don't, think his, I don't think his reasonings are as crazy as everyone is saying. I like, we are all agreed. No one thinks that Prado was purposely trying to cross-jump hurlings after the checkered flag. Because why would he? We're no. all agreed on that. So clearly there was something to it. And those three reasons... Okay. The track exit to the right is a bit of a weird one. But that would make sense as to why he maybe didn't freak out initially on the takeoff because he was thinking like, okay, well, I've got to go to the right anyway, so this is quite a normal thing. I'll just like go, go with the flow. Yeah. No, I don't know. I agree with that. that. That makes a lot of sense, to be fair. This is, a, this is a big thing. But if you want to hear the 50, it was a 15-minute interview. James obviously didn't listen. I didn't need to. You told me all about it. On I actually track. didn't, great I thing actually about didn't it. tell you about it at all. That's the great ask. thing about a 14-hour journey. Even though James had a four-hour drive solo, he chose to skip the podcast again, so that's fine. But yeah, if you want to listen to it, it's on the same feed as this show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of that good stuff. And then the written version is on mxvice.com as well. You can get the link. I think the link's in our Instagram bio still, so you can get it there. Ah, Right. That was a big old... I feel a bit exhausted after that one. Yeah, I think you need to take a drink because um, I, did, I don't think you actually, actually breathed or, or took a... 
you know, a, a breath for around about 10 minutes there. I actually went out and made a cup of tea. I feel sorry for Crowley purely because he's struggling with his ribs at the moment. They're not broken. They're not fractured. He didn't know how to explain it in an English term. I don't really, I'm not a doctor, so I didn't know what he was trying to explain. But essentially, it's like cartilage, I think it's cartilage, between the ribs that's causing him problems. And obviously, he's just like fighting through at the moment. This isn't a Crowley we saw pre-Sardinia. But no, and that's a painful injury because it's literally, it can be like, I kind of know what that that feels like when you either like take a real deep breath, you laugh or you um, yawn, anything like that, or sneeze. It really pulls and it's really makes your eyes water. Yeah, so he's just limping through. But if you want to put a positive spin on it, I think the entire motocross world would have taken this when Crowley was being stretched off in Sardinia. So, yeah. Although this is bad and this is, this is like quite horrible for him and stuff like that, this is a big improvement over the, other, uh, the alternative. So, yeah. But Crowley's another one. I think Crowley, like, Crowley wants the title. That's why he's... Quite, well, obviously part of the reason he's out there is because last year, but he's out there because he wants the title. He said the same to me. But he's 11 points further back from Prado, so he is 73, which with six rounds remaining is just... You need a lot of help. You need a lot yeah. of help at that point. Especially when the momentum is with the top three. Well, yeah, no one's really got issues. I mean, Geyser's got a bit of issues, but it's not really like... It's, he's, part, he's on the good side of the issues now. Yeah. Just crazy to think what this championship would have been like if Crowley hadn't crashed in Sardinia and Prado hadn't crashed in Germany. We would have five riders, like, separated by 10 points. Sad. But can't, you can't... The grass isn't always greener. We've got three riders separated by 10 points, which is something we have never had. So this is, this is good enough. We can be happy with this. And it was exciting. Um, the weekend, just trying to work out who was wearing what in the championship. Again, we've not had that for a long time. If, if, if in the second moto, Geyser had won with Fevre second and Hurlings third, all three riders would have been separated by one point right now. I think that well, what is the biggest achievement there is that you've actually got the mathematics correct. I would have, I would have, um, I was cheering for that order purely because if we'd left La Capelle Maraval with three riders separated by one point, I don't think I would have been able to contain my excitement. No, you wouldn't have slept for a week, would you? Also interesting, we talked about tracks earlier. Hurlings has never been to Spain. So that's another little... He's never been to Spain? No. So that's another little... Well, when I say Spain... What is life? No, when I say Spain, I mean <laughs> into Exandu, Aramolamomimus, however you say it. Um, so that's another little factor. Also weird, we've only got three tracks to go. Six rounds, but only three tracks. Quite a weird thing to think. Yeah. Jonas was good again, but as Jonas is just doing Jonas things at this point. Jonas is on a good level. Jonas is good. Jonas is fine. Like, this is, there's no surprises, no shocks. If anything, we now wait for Jonas to get a tiny bit better again. And I don't think he's far off. I think jo- if Jonas can have a solid off-season, he'll be good next year. He'll be better. And also, let's not forget, he didn't race at all last year. And let's not forget, just getting through the year injury-free is quite a big deal for him because that's not... He's had years and years of injury. Ever since he won the MX2 World title in 2017, he's had injury after injury. So if he can continue in this way and make it through the year injury-free, that's a big box ticked for him. Olsen had his best result or second best result of the season. Took 10th in a championship from Ben Watson, so he's in the top 10 now. He has a contract for next year with the KTM group. Obviously, he's not going to be back at Ice One. I would look for him on a different colour, but nothing is confirmed yet. But I would look for him in the KTM group, obviously, but a different colour in the KTM group is what I'm thinking. Maybe a gas gas? I 
it's weird that you think that I like how earlier you said about how oh it was really nice hearing out everyone knows that they can trust you and like things you say don't come out and then you just ask me that's so you just to have two completely different personalities in the space of 30 minutes I'm not replying to that okay <laughs> cold enough had a so-so weekend uh, the progress in the first motor was good yeah this just isn't this just isn't going very well it's just not. Like, I don't know what else to what, say. What do, you, what do you think's up? What do you think's up? He's struggling with bike setup. Yeah, but we're hearing that, that there's a lot of bike setup. There's the bike setup after bike setup. I've just said he's struggling with bike setup. Well, there's no different to that and a lot of bike setup. If he's struggling with bike setup, obviously he's searching. But you get to a point, don't you, where you actually don't know. Surely at some point you keep, you keep, you keep changing everything. He's literally run out of races to find the actual setup. I think he's trying to set that bike up as close to a KTM as possible. That's what I personally think, which obviously isn't possible, but I think he's trying to get a similar feeling. It's actually one of the most interesting stories of the off-season will be Koldenoff's progress and where he gets. Because although I'm on record as saying Koldenoff isn't in that top five of Hurling's favourite guys as Sua Caroli Jonas. No, not Jonas. But did I say six riders there? Hurling's favourite guys as Sua Caroli he is better than what he's showing you right now. Prado. Prado, that's who I was forgetting. Wait, who did I say then? I don't know, but... You okay, scrap that. We know, although, I've said, although I'm on record of saying that Coldenoff isn't in the top five of Hurling's guys are Prado, Fevra, Caroli, there you go, he is better than what he's showing right now. He is, a, like, he is better than this. He is a podium guy on occasion. He is better than this. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, get, I feel like at this point, it needs an off-season to kind of go back to basics, start again, and see what can be done. I don't feel like there's going to be much progress from now until the end of the year. Uh, Lupino. Oh, wow, you just wanted to skip Frato. Uh, no, I'm going to get to um, Frato in a minute. But Lupino, it just... Is that a solid year? Just keeps chipping out the results. Yeah. Yeah, he has. Yeah, ninth. He's just in front of that group of Olsen, Watson, Flanderen. But you, you, you can't write him off. Just literally, he's been, I think, you know, hats off. It's not on a factory bike. He's on a satellite bike. I'm pretty sure some, some bits have fall, might have fallen off. I'm pretty sure it probably have, yeah. But, uh, you know, I think it's a solid season for him. Yeah, no, I never would have bet it'd be top 10 in the points. No, I, I, no, I agree. It's, and to be in front of Olsen, Watson, Vlander and Bogus, uh, Van Horbeek, Jacoby, I, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, you know, bought a ticket to that little journey. The last time that he um, completed a full season, he was 13th in a championship. That's where he finished. So not that big a jump from there, but it's a deeper field now, I'd say. So uh, massively. Yeah, I, I think, you know, hands down, great, great uh, season for him. Yeah, fair play. Uh, yeah, Ferrato Wagon. Whew. It is gathering pace. That was my only down uh, side of the weekend was uh, not finding him and interviewing him. Oh, no. Yeah. Because obviously you're never going to get around to it. No, I've tried finding him for quite a while now. And another solid result. Yeah, he's all right. I just don't know where his career goes from here. Because I feel like he's very pigeonholed. Well, he's proven that he can break that top 10 yet again. I just feel like he's very pigeonholed. I don't know where his career goes from here. That's all. You're going to say Enjoro, aren't you? No, not at all. I mean, what I mean, wait, can you talk for a minute? I need to cough. Uh, yeah, please uh, cough. Um, as the uh, Albi Ferrato uh, station master, I was really pleased with his result the weekend. 
you know, and also Chirpy in the pits again, smiling to everybody, signing stuff for fans. Big fan favourite. I just don't know where his career goes from here because I feel like, as I've said since the very start, I feel like if he ever gets to a point where his results deserve a factory-supported ride, I'm not sure if the factories are going to even look at him because I feel like he's very pigeonholed. I feel like he is pigeonholed to the point where he's just going to spend his career going from one Italian team to another. So actually, I'm looking out for his future prospects. Okay. I think that's enough of the negativity now. Let's move on. Patrell's actually been really impressive to me since he came back because Turkey was a disaster. And to be honest, the last couple of years have been such a disaster that I kind of written him off a little bit. But he's starting from Sardinia on, he's actually been pretty good. He's actually been quite like okay. He was good the weekend. Right where you would think he would be. Like I wouldn't expect him to be any higher than 11th. I mean, maybe you'd put him ahead of Frato, but apart from that, he's kind of come back with a bit of bang. Obviously, he missed the first half of the season with long COVID. So there's that. Yeah, so Vlanderin's still waiting for this uh, news on what's going on with Kawasaki and stuff like that. Race one wasn't his issue, was it? It wasn't his fault. He was a fuel issue. Fuel issue, yep. He'd have gone like 7-7 or something, which is right where he's been. Obviously, 4-4 in Sardinia was a big step up, but you can count on Vlanderin being 6-6, 7-7, 8-8 sort of rider. And then on his good days, a 4-4 like in Sardinia. But on a regular normal race, Vlandering is a 6-6-7-7-8-8 type rider, which is perfect for a second spot on a factory team. Nothing wrong with that at all. So, What, what do you think? How much will Vlandering improve? Not just being on the factory bike, but being in a factory team. Well, he's not got a factory deal for next year, so let's clarify what you just said there. No, I'm just asking you your opinion on how much will he improve. Yeah. Because sometimes... It's yeah, I would, what I'm about, saying is, you would have... How, how much would he improve if he gets on a factory bike? You just said, how much is he going to improve on the factory bike? But he's not got a factory deal. So just clarifying for the people. Brilliant, thanks. I was just asking because it's not just about the bike, is it? It's about the whole team setup. Well, yeah, he told me that he hasn't done a day of testing this year. The only people, the only testing he's done has been with technical touch on suspension. See, the pro riders use technical touch just like you can. So he hasn't done, like he said, he's basically been given an engine and then he's been just had to work with that engine. So that would be where the biggest gain comes in from moving from a satellite team to a factory team. It's just for endless testing you can do. Sometimes it's too much, but it's definitely better than nothing. I'll tell you who is surprising to me and impressing me a lot. Josh Gilbert. Yeah. Like, I am very, very impressed. Yeah, I... The, the weekend running top 11 with that quality of... with those quality of riders in front of him and behind him. Faded to the end and you can't... They crashed. Him. Oh, it was crashed, was it? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, just run, run in 11 in the MXGP. You've got to be happy with that. I would say that he deserves to be looked at for a factory... Not factory, sorry. He deserves to be looked at for an MXGP ride on a B or C team. But obviously, when you've got riders like Vladimir and Watson on the market, he's just never going to get a look in until basically all of those established guys are gone. But he does, I think he deserves... He's proven enough where he deserves to be in MXGP full-time. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And still young. Is he 24? Yeah, this is his first year on a 450. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, great result weekend. Uh, Also, good to see Bry Lyakov um, back in the points since um, the Nations, obviously putting a good result in the Nations and definitely seems to uh, be in a better place. Why is that, James? Uh, Well, that is, uh, Lewis, is because uh, Bry Lyakov has switched to our uh, podcast sponsors 
technical touch. So in uh, at the Nations, the first time out, uh, running with the, uh, the KYB suspension. I hope you all enjoyed uh, that insight because James has been absolutely buzzing to tell everyone that since Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Well, these are the little things you find out from talking to uh, talking to the riders. So um, yeah, Seva's not done um, any testing. He's literally just got the equipment. So um, I expect uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks his uh, results to improve. But there we go. That just shows you the difference between technical touch. So Watson fell in the second moto and dinged up his ankle pretty good. Oh, he was proper limping. Well, he's got, he had a big old lump on the side of it. Like, quite, I was... Did you touch it? No. He had, he had check scans, all of that. Like, it's fine. It's not like, nothing's broken, nothing's fractured. Like, it's fine. It's just a hematoma. So he's not riding this week. And I'd imagine it's not going to be perfect for Spain, you'd think. And I think he's quite frustrated because obviously this is a crucial time for him. He confirmed to MX Vice that he has been told that there is no room for him at the factory team next year. So that's, he confirmed that. That's out of his own mouth. And yeah, I don't know what to say other than that he thoroughly deserves a factory ride, I think. There's no doubt. Yeah, that's what I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Here, I've said it all along. Watson and Vlandery deserve to be on factory teams. That's it. No one else does, I don't think. No one else are for free agents, I mean. Put Watson and Vlandery on factory seats and then everything's sorted out. And the riders who deserve factory rides are on factory. Happy days. But there's obviously only Kawasaki left factory-wise. So either, one of them definitely won't. And maybe it will be two of them if it goes to Brian May. So yeah, we're just waiting. Watson says he had options. He has options, but none of them are what... You know what? I'll put up the interview just so I quote exactly what he says. But he basically said he's got op- he has options at the moment, but none of them are like interesting to him or what he wants. So yeah, I've got options, but it is not really what I want. That's all I can say. So he's on the market. If there are any teams listening to this and you want Ben's number, you let me know. I'll pass it on. But no, there's no like, there's no, I said to him, there's no doubt that he deserves a factory ride. He's just been screwed by circumstance at Yamaha. That's all. Renault has a clause in his contract that means he has to go on a 450 if he wins a title. And it looks like he's going to win a title. So that means they had to make room and Sewer was already under contract and so was Coldenoff. So yeah, just bad. It's not because Watson's underperformed. It's not because he's been shit. It's because just like shit circumstances. What I'm interested to see though, so this is a clause in Renault's contract. I've heard that from enough people now to believe it. Watson even said it himself. So what happens if something happens to Renault and he doesn't win the title? Because then that clause goes away. Do they still put him on a 450? Seeing as that's the plan? Do they... How does that work? In like that's inter- that would be interesting. I mean, I don't think Renault is losing this title. He's got a ridiculous points lead. But that is in that would be interesting because I don't know what the move would be then. What well, so you're saying that if he lost the title this year, he has to stay 250. No, I'm not saying that at all, but what I'm saying is if he lost the title this year, the clause is technically moot. So he doesn't have to go on a 450. So do they go but they've told Ben that he hasn't got a seat there on the factory team. So, like, how does that work? What, like, what's the re- like? I mean, Renault is going to win the title. He's got a gazillion point lead. But just an interesting thing to think about because I don't know what the move would be if that were to happen. So, interesting thing to think about as a little, you know, little bench racing thing. I didn't speak to Strybos, but I can imagine Strybos wouldn't have wanted to speak to me if I'd seen him because he didn't get any points. And last I spoke to him, he was struggling with an illness that he thinks might have come from getting the vaccine. So, yeah, last time I spoke to Strybos, he was having zero fun and basically talking about whether it's even worthwhile being out there anymore. 
Germany was better for him. Germany was a big step in the right direction. And then France was a big step in the other direction. So we just hope that poor little Strybos can get back on track and start hovering around the top 10 again, which is the type of rider he is this year. Another rider who doesn't get the respect he deserves. But I tell you what, no one's really getting the respect they deserve because the field is so deep, so deep at this point. It's never been this deep at this point in the season. We're in October and it's basically the same as it was at round one. Save uh, Sterry we're missing. Um, help me out here. Monticelli we're missing. Uh, we're missing some guys, but like Philip Chervelin we're missing. Like We're missing some guys, but... Like Evans, we're, Evans we're missing, but we, Evans wasn't there at round Four. one either, so that's no change yeah. through the year. So for the most part, this is like as, exactly as deep as round one, which means that riders aren't getting a chance to improve their results through attrition. Whereas last year, for instance, I think to Trentino, when like um, Van Donick got an eighth, and that got him his ride, essentially, that wouldn't happen this year because the field's so deep that if he'd have stepped in, he would have come like 19th and then probably not got his deal. But the thing is that people don't realize is that 19th in a stacked field is just as good, if not more impressive, than an eighth in a very weak field. Like round 12 results last year, there were 22 riders on the line. This round 12 this year, we had 35, I think? 31. 31. Tixier was 11th overall. That isn't happening this year. Like, there's just... Tixier's another rider we're missing, actually. He's got a hand problem of some kind. I can't actually remember the specifics, but he's going to be... He was there at the weekend. He was walking around. Yeah, he's walking around because he's injured his hand. That's not going to... He is capable of walking. Yes, I know that, you idiot. But yeah, I just think that's something that's... I think that's something that's getting overlooked because... um, Yeah, I think that's something that's getting overlooked because... It's easy to go like, oh, I thought so-and-so would be top 10. Well, if this was a normal season we'd, and we'd had 20% of injuries, they would be. So like, I think teams, when signing riders, have got to like, recognize that, and I'm not sure they do. And as the old you're only as good as your last race when it comes to signing with a team. The results from the beginning of the year don't matter. They just care about what you did yesterday. So, yeah, just a weird old game. Weird old game, but we're all waiting for Kawasaki to sign someone. Nothing, just want to stress, it is not the... Oh, yeah. So-and-so told me to keep it quiet. It is not done. No rider has been even given, like... No rider has even been told, you are probably our guy. No one knows anything. So, yeah, just wait and see. We should know by the end... Well, officially, I don't know when we'll know, but I'd imagine that by the end of October, the rumours will be swirling that so-and-so has got the ride, so... One thing I'd like to hear uh, next week, or Spain, uh, would be an update from Jazakonis. Because he's quietly been getting better. Yeah, I tried to interview him in Latvia, but he said he didn't want to do it until he had a better day. And then he's having better days and I'm not finding him. So that's my own victim of circumstance. It would be, uh, it would be good to, uh, you know, have a catch-up because we've not, we've not heard anything from him for a long time. He's had quite a quiet season, but I'm quite happy about that because I feel like a quiet season was exactly what he needed. Absolutely. But, you know, now's the time. Yeah, and obviously, quiet season is not when what he is what he needed. If maybe Ice One was staying Husqvarna and his deal would have continued, but not what he needs when he is um, on the market, essentially. And I know he has approached some B level teams about next year, so he is shopping himself around as we speak. Right, I need to drink because I'm losing my voice. I think my voice has deteriorated quite a lot since the start of this section. Yep. 
We would like to thank, of course, Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. Thanks to those guys for supporting the show. They keep it going. They uh, keep us running. And like I've said many times, the reason we align with them is because um, they're bloody good products. We would not back something that we don't think is good for you people listening. So um, yeah, all of those brands get a little vote of confidence from us on the MXY show. And of course, part one was presented by Fly Racing, who have redefined expectations in safety and performance with a Formula helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rion technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system, that's AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the formula helmet has changed the game. That's part one. We'll be back in three minutes to break down MX2 and your questions in Liat Ask Vice Anything. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in three. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. Prox Racing Parts supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the high-level requirements that all motocross riders require. Many of Prox's parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Evenstrokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at Evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out Liat.com for more. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rayon technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the formula helmet has changed the game. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to episode 85 of the MX Vice Show podcast. Coming in after the MXGP of France, where we were both at an event. What a time to be alive. Although... Maybe not, as you'll find out at the end of this podcast, because James uses his time very unwisely. But a leopard doesn't change its spots. Some people on this, some people on this planet are doers, and others are dossers. It's just the way it is. You're a big dosser. Anyway, as always, we would like to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. This is part two of the MX Vice Show. 
which means that it is presented by our friends at Technical Touch with an air oil separated closed cartridge design that is well known in the MX world. The KYB factory kit suspension from our friends at Technical Touch was perfected on one of the toughest tracks in the MXGP series. You too can experience the best in suspension, like Jeremy Sewer, Ben Watson, Seven Brylaikov, Calvin Vlanderin, Yago Gertz, Maxime Renault, and close to home too. Visit technical-touch.com slash KYB-authorized-dealer to find an authorized KYB by Technical Touch dealer in your country. Take your ride to the next level. There are many dealers, authorized KYB dealers around the world. You'd be surprised, no matter where you're listening to this from, you would be surprised. But closer to home, there's two in the UK, there's three in France. So, yeah, get involved. Get involved. Look at it like this, right? Vanderin's done zero testing this year, apart from with technical touch on his KYB suspension. So effectively, Vlandering is riding a bike not too dissimilar to those of you out there, just with KYB suspension, and look how fast he can go. You can get the same treatment as Calvin. Yes, you can. And I would recommend it strongly. Technical touch. Same as Brian Lyakov. So, MX2. Let's start with this, actually, because this was big news that I almost forgot about. So Tom Vial signed a four-year extension with Red Bull KTM Factory Racing. Next year, he'll be in MX2, which is not a surprise. Then it's confirmed now that 2023, he will move into MXGP, and he has a, he basically, his contract includes his first three years in MXGP. So he's going to have plenty of time to learn, and there's going like, to be no pressure there at all. So yeah, a big contract, and quite funny when you actually think about it, because when you think like when Vial joined Red Bull KTM, no one knew who he was. No one really, I don't think anyone thought he was going to turn out to be this good, I'm pretty sure. And everyone kind of just thought he was there to fill a seat because they didn't have anyone else. Who would have thought that that rider would end up getting a four-year contract from KTM Factory Racing that takes him into the MXGP class? That's crazy. But it just shows how far Vial's come. And Vial is the man right now in MX2. There's no doubt about that. Hey, James. Yes. Is that literally all you've got? What did you want me to say? Just generally talk about Vial, his contract and all of that. That's all. Do you know what? Since he's come back, he's been on another level. Agreed? Agreed. Yeah, he has been good. And the fact that he's up to fourth already in the, in the championship and it looks like he's going to be a solid second and the amount of races he missed. Unreal. He will finish second in the championship. I, I feel confident enough to say that's fact. Yeah, and also, I do as well. Not to take anything away from Renault, but Vial isn't better than what he was in Russia. This would have been the Vial all year. And I'm not sure what Renault would have done this with, with this because Renault has got to that level now. Renault is not far off of Vial and he can beat him on his day. But I don't think there's any doubt that Vial is the best rider in MX2. And if it works as everyone thinks and Renault is going to go on to a 450 next year, it's actually a bit Which of a shame. Because it would have been... Yes, yes, James. It's a bit of a shame because um, it would have been interested to see Vial and Renault go head-to-head because I would have been interested to see if Vial really does have Renault covered in a normal circumstance or whether Renault can really bridge that gap. But it seems that the world will never give us that problem or that that battle. But I think think it's still solid next year. I mean, you've got... uh, Obviously, Renault goes up. You're going to have Gertz. You're going to have Guadagini. You're going to have Vial. You're going to have Beniston. You can have Hoffer, you can have De Wolf, um, Fernandez, you have Van Moustijk, Lagenfelder, Todd's got to go up. Muse. Um, 
Muse, yeah, you got still got Muse in his last year. You got Gift in. You've seen how well people like uh, uh, Andrea Adamo and Bogdan that you know they've they've both improved this year. I think it's, it's still going to be solid, and you're going to have uh, the MX250 guys coming up. Horikmo is going to be back in MX2, hey? Well, who knows? But it needs a deal, uh, which he didn't get last year. So Lapucci 450. He's going to have to be. He's too old for too old for MX2. Yeah. So there isn't really that, like as far as the EMX. Well, Everts is Everts is going MX2, but then like I don't, I don't feel like there's an EMX 250 rider who's going to have the impression that Guadagnini has had this year. No, no, agreed. And Benestam because that they were they were two riders which were, which obviously done very very well in the last year in EMX 250. But yeah, so I'm not going to lie, I'm struggling with MX2 a bit at the moment. It just, I don't understand that. Because I watched races on at the weekend and I loved it. I don't know why you're struggling. I just don't feel like there's the stories to like add another layer to it. If you get what I mean. I don't know. I I I don't understand. You've got someone as young as DeWolf who, who's shown some crazy speed this year. Um, yeah, but that's on a season as a whole. I'm talking on a race by race basis. I'm not talking about the MX2 season as a whole. I'm talking about a race by race basis at the moment. I think you're still the same as a race by race. You know, you don't know who's going to come out like each weekend. Really? Um, yeah. I think I feel pretty confident that Vial's got this thing every weekend. What? All next year as well? Well, no, I'm just talking about at the moment. But yes, already stamp me for next year, please. Yeah, but I. <sighs> Could you please pencil me in for a Vial perfect season? Yeah, but I, I don't think I, I think he is that good. Like I don't. It's, it's a bit like when Prado was in the, in the class and Hurlins. Vial is that good. Yeah, what are you like, getting out there? I'm not... I've said that Vial's that good. Yeah, but, I'm, but what I'm saying is behind uh, Vial, like, forget the title uh, for next year. Vial's got that, unless somebody significantly steps up. But what I'm saying is there's plenty of going on behind um, Vial. Yeah, there's plenty of going on. I just feel like it needs... I just feel like the stories aren't there. Like, or maybe, I think, what, to be honest, I think what has, what's happened is MXGP is so unbelievably amazing that all through yeah. MX2, I'm just thinking about MXGP and I'm just thinking yeah. about MXGP coming up and how I can't wait for MXGP to start. I mean, that's what's happening. Everyone's been spoiled. We, we've had a year which we've not had for a long, long time. Basically five freaking awesome riders on another level. And not only that, you've got another five riders behind them which aren't far off that level. You know, and they're only going to get better. So, it, it, MXGP class is is just in a different place, and that's all because of the way it's worked out with things like uh, the age restriction and all that sort of stuff. Because it has forced these riders to go up; otherwise, they would st- will still be in MX2. I will tell you what: I don't know what is going on with Gertz. I am, I am I confused. Know. Like this is the most. There's something there. He's obviously not happy because that's not the same rider as what we've seen previously. He's had arm pump surgery. That was a while ago now, though, so that should be all good. Like, we saw what arm pump surgery did for Fevra. His knee that he injured in May, that's long, long in the past. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on with Gertz, but to think that Gertz was like, oh, yeah, this year it's going to be Vial versus Gertz for the title. Vial is going to pass Gertz in the points despite missing four rounds or whatever it was, which is bonkers. Vial is going to beat Gertz in the points, and Vial would have not scored points in seven of the motos. I don't understand how Gertz has gone so far in one direction. 
I literally, and even like Oss, he went 1 1 and he was really good there. So, and even like Lommel, he was good there. So, like, what has happened? Like, it's just very flat. And I'm not sure we'll ever get an answer to it because it's Gertz. But I have no, like, I have no idea. I have no idea what's going on there. It's so bizarre. But obviously, it's Gertz as well. So, you're not really hearing him say, He's not really coming out and saying, like, I want to win. I don't know why I'm not winning. This is ridiculous. He's just like, oh, yes, I'm having a happy time at the races. My breakfast was good and everything is fine. Although his Instagram it's caption... Not it's not fine. His Instagram caption... Although, actually, I'm talking on a general season basis. Just to clarify, in France, he was definitely ill. So I'm talking on a season basis. Not for France. He was quite impressive to do what he did because as per his Instagram caption... It didn't look good for me this morning. I got sick in the middle of the night. My whole body felt sore with vomiting, fever, and diarrhea. That's not fun. Did he get that from you? I felt like putting diarrhea into his Instagram caption was a bit on the nose. I felt like that was a bit like we could have just done with a like an upset stomach. But, you know, to each her own. So, France was good for him to salvage what he did while being deathly ill. But talking about his season as a whole, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't. like. I have no idea. I might try to get a bottom of it, but I've had a little ask around and no one really says anything. Everyone just kind of says, yeah, not been, not been the Yago we expected. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, but why? There's got to be a reason. I, I think, uh, again, uh, you're going to have a go at me for starting rumours, but we do know that the end part of last year, he was looking at other manufacturers. What? Okay, James. I just, I don't know where this has come from. Sometimes there's no smoke without fire. Or no fire without no smoke. Okay. One or two. Okay. Moving swiftly on. Guadagnini was back to his uh, best, which continues his lovely little streak of being great, bad, great, bad, great, bad. That's just, I don't know what is going on there, but it's very consistent with that streak. And again, though, I feel like expectations of Guadagnini have been skewed a little bit because he was so good early in the season that I feel like we don't make a big enough deal about what he does now. And it's his first season. Yeah, like this is a phenomenal season. Even finishing second overall in one race is amazing. But he was so good early on that we're all kind of just like, meh, yeah, he's, he's, he's doing good, he's doing good. But like, it's quite likely that he's going to beat Gertz in the points straight up, which is unbelievable because Gertz was a championship contender last year. Guadagnini's come out of EMX 250 and leapfrogged him immediately. That's, that's noteworthy. That's worth some. I feel like Guadagnini deserves more credit. He's just had a great season. For, for coming out of EMX 250, um, second in the championship last year, to now being third in the EMX 2 championship and four points behind Gertz. Crazy. I think that La Capelle Maraval was the best that Renault has ridden in his career. I think. I don't know, but I think because the way he was very exciting to watch, very impressive, like the way he was charging through the field, making passes, the way he was trying to make passes, the little line he had at the end of the, uh, through the waves where he squared off, came roaring up the inside and then ran it in in the following corner. That was exciting. Like Renault had a level of aggression that I've not seen before in France, which was, um, yeah, exciting to see. And I think um, just on a riding standpoint, that was probably the best he's ridden. But I'd imagine there's got to be a lot of frustration there because I, was very interested to see what was going to happen between Viao and Renault in the sense that there was a bit of controversy in Germany. Uh, Yamaha protested Viao jumping on a yellow flag and got the overall win taken from Viao and given to Renault. 
So there was a, everyone saw Vial's Instagram post. He was very salty about that. And then adding the fact that they're both French. So like there's a bit of, ba- bit of a battle for French supremacy there. I was kind of expecting La Capelle to be a big like statement from one of them as, like, as if to say, I'm the best French rider in MX2 at the moment. Vial obviously made that. But I feel like Renault was really trying to get as close as he could from where he started each time, which effectively screwed him. But there was definitely a little, a little extra spunk in his riding. Rene Hoffer, I am a believer. I am on the Rene Hoffer bus. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm on it, whatever it is. He has been good. No? Hoffer, uh, are you awake, yeah. James? You seem to have just so, so gone. You there? Yeah, I'm there, but I, I don't know what. He's okay. Like, what? But... I don't know why 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 you're excited. Has he done better than Guadagini? No. He's done better than from where he was. Yeah, but me me I don't know. You you keep raving about him all the time. And I'm on I don't see what you see. Before Turkey, he was a fifth through tenth place rider. Now he's a consistent podium contender. You don't normally see mid season turnarounds like that. And that is um Podium contender. He's had one race, which was Germany. Podium contender. Not yeah, contender. podium finisher every race. Contender. I don't know. I think you're, you're seeing too much into this. The second moto, the way he was riding in the second moto on Sunday was very impressive because um, he was battling straight up with Gertz. Like, and even Renault, like, he, they couldn't really do it. Like, whereas before, those riders would have disposed of him easily. It wouldn't have even been a factor. They would have gone straight past him and then that would have been it. This, like now, he is giving them fits. And I don't know if anyone knew that uh, Hoffer could get to this level. But we are seeing now that there is more to come from him. And that's exciting to me. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I got to disagree with you on this one. Wow. Brutal. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry, Rene. Um, and, and I'm sure he'll prove me wrong. Um, however, when you've got Benestant and Guadagini in their first year, rookie year, and they're performing the way they are. This is basically um, this is basically Hoffa's rookie year. Uh, well, he was, he was was he not racing MX2 last year? Yeah, he did two rounds. No, he still raced. And you've got Kaida Wolf. Uh, I've got to be honest. Well, you say Benestant performing the way he is. Hoffa is three points behind him in a championship, and he's twenty points ahead of De Wolf. Yeah, and this is second year. It, he did two races last year. Still, still second year. He did two races last year. This is basically his rookie season. And what's the age difference between the two? I don't know, James. Well, I think you need to get those facts before. I can't you believe bring, you say I'm a hater and you're just actually tearing this poor guy down. No, it's not that. It's just like you're you're literally like literally lifting him up, where maybe he doesn't want to be lifted up. I saw with my, I doubt they showed it on TV. I saw the way he was riding in that second moto and it was very good. I was impressed. Did he have his shirt off when you interviewed him and that's just skewed your vision? I didn't interview him. If you'd asked me who I interviewed, you'd know that. I'm just saying. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. I'm just saying, uh, I, I don't quite see it. I don't quite see why you're so excited when you're not excited about other people. Like who? Kaida Wolf. Yeah, but it's, who said I'm not excited about Kaida Wolf? Guadagini. 
You Who said I'm not excited about, about Guadagnini? Yeah, we're talking before the racing starts. Like we're talking, we're talking after the race. Like what? What? I'm just saying. Like you're, you're literally all over Rene Hoffer right now. Like, he has stepped it up and he is riding very well. He's doing okay. He has. Point being, he has stepped it up. Whether that's going from twentieth to thirteenth, thirteenth to seventh, or seventh to fourth, stepping it up is impressive. Because not many, most people have plateaued this season. Like there isn't been many much movement from riders up up and down. Okay, just factory uh, factory KTM. I just just expect more. This is actually maybe the most angry I've been at you in a long time. Good, good, because this is maybe the most craziest thing you've put out there in a long, long time. Purely saying that I'm impressed by Hoffer. Yeah, that's crazy. The expectation is he should be there. I don't know why you're impressed. Who said that's the expectation? It has to be the expectation. If you are riding a factory KTM 250, the expectation is you should be in the top six. Yeah, but you know what? That was the expectation, and everyone was doubting whether it could happen because his EMX 250 results weren't amazing. Some would say he went up too early last year. And his results at the start of the year weren't amazing. So everyone had written him off and everyone was saying, I don't know if he's got it. But guess what? He's got it. He's proven it. Well, I still think he's got a long way to go. He almost won a moto in Germany. Uh, Kaido Wolf uh, won a moto. I'm not comparing him to other people. I'm purely talking about Hoffa as a person himself. Just giving you my point of view, I just think you're overinflating it. It's just quite surprising that you can go to a GP and, be, and yet still be so wrong. Or you're just over, overinflating it. Okay. Nice to see Harrop show some flashes of his old self, a little bit of flashes of speed here and there. He's out at FNH for next year, but he does say he has options for next year. He wouldn't tell me what they were, and I honestly have no idea what they actually are because I don't really know what's out there MX2-wise. Certainly no factory spots, I don't think, at least. So, yeah. Unless... Hmm. No. There are no factory spots. Although, if Renault's going 450, I don't know what Yamaha do with a third MX2 rider, whether they even run one. I haven't heard a thing about that. But I, w- I wouldn't expect Harrod to go there. But he seems, he seems quite happy with the options that are on the table. So, good for him, I guess. But I'm actually interested to see where he ends up, because I do not know. Maybe 114, I thought, off the top of my head. Like Fernandez and Harrop. That's quite a good team. That's quite a potent team. Um, yeah, I don't know. Weird, weird. weird. I, don't, I really don't know. Muse had a uh, difficult day, one of his most difficult days in recent memory. Bad in qualifying, which led to bad starts, which led to being in a bad track position on a track that was very narrow and hard to pass on. So he was quite, kind of screwed from qualifying on. Yeah, but I think the biggest test now is going to be how he rebounds in Spain because he was very good in Spain last year. Pole position in Spain last year. So that will be the test moving forward. And we wait and see how he does there and whether he can rebound. Anything else on MX2, James? Uh, Yes, I would just like to say um, Wilson Todd looked good again. Flashes of uh, what he could potentially do. It's a real shame he's going up. Um, He has to go up uh, next year. Otherwise, I think he'd be quite good. Still not sure what's going on with Isaac Gifting. But one of the, the standouts for me this year, uh, which you know about because we, we've spoken about it, is Andrea Adamo. I think um, 
the way he's come through, because obviously he was the EMX 150 uh, winner on the Honda back in the day, uh, was about five, six years ago. And um, I've been really, really pleased with his performances this year. He's just looked really, really good and has been able to mix it. And I just think he's quietly going about himself and getting better and better uh, each round. So the fact that he's now 16th in the championship, he's actually 40-something points in front of Comrade. And uh, he is literally 12 points behind Isaac Gifton. I think it's it's a great year for him. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if he can break in constantly into that top 10 next year. But yeah, definitely, definitely one to look out for. Speaking of um, BMX 150, uh, filling in for Alvin Usland in MXGP on a JK Racing Yamaha was Anton Nordstrom Graf. And all day I was like, I know that name, but where's that? I know that name. Like, where's that come from? Um, he was in MX 150 the same year as Adamo. Was he? Yeah. Ah. I knew I knew that name from somewhere. I knew that, like, it rung a bell and I just couldn't put my finger on it and then it randomly came to me. I don't know Damn. where he's been because he's never been in MX2. He's just somehow gone, jumped into an MX GP filling ride. But um, that, yeah. that series has produced some good riders, hey? Like Emma Weckman. Yeah, the last, um, year it, the last year it did. There were some years where it never really led anywhere. But um, No, it really... Get, th- th- this is the weird thing because that class really gained momentum in that last year and then they cut it. It's like you've done all the hard work, like literally built it up and sold it. Yeah, but I don't think that was a, I think that was just, it's just a luck thing, isn't it? Like the last year of a talent pool was good. The year before it wasn't so, like EMX 250 last year of a talent pool was insane. This year, not so much. And then next year it might go up again. And then like, just true, true. It's not like they did anything different in the last year. The one thing I will say though, is uh, that if, even though you could say the talent pool is not as high as it has been previous years, they're still fast as you like. And, you know, I'll say it again, like any rider who's going into EMX 250 and thinking they're going to walk it or they're going to do really well, you have another thing coming. They are fast. Carry on. Okay. Um, anything else about MX2? No, no, I'm good. I'm, um, I'm really good actually with MX2. Okay, I'm glad you're really good with MX2. That's really positive. Now, it is time for your questions answered in Liat Ask Vice Anything. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, of an all-new 7.5 helmet with free fits, 360 turbine technology, and free bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear, including the new ranges for 2022, like the 3.5 ride kit, the 4.5 enduro jersey and pants. There's also the 5.5 jersey and pants and the 4.5 jersey and pants. There's the statement piece of gear, that being giraffe-themed this year. There's lots to see at liat.com. And there's going to be even more to see in the coming weeks as well. There is more to come. And actually, next Wednesday on this podcast, we will be joined by Liat's global market, no, not global, rest of the world marketing manager, Dave King. Uh, he will be in Spain, so he's going to come on a podcast to talk about Spain and also what's going on at Liat. I forgot to tell you that, James. Ah, just, that's fine. I like Dave. Goodbye. I hope you're around Wednesday morning because I also thought to check, forgot to check that with you. 
No, I should be. Yep, no problem. Okay, brilliant. So that's next week on the podcast. Uh, but yeah, head to liat.com for 2022 Liat gear and everything that's on there. There's a lot going on at Liat, let me tell you. Right, there's also a lot going on with the fan questions this week. There are many, 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 many questions. Hard to sift through, but it speaks to the quality from you people. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Question one. Okay, let's start here, actually. Lars.vdl. Please stop with interviewing while mechanics are blow-drying in the back. It destroys my ears every time. <laughs> what do you want me to do? For the love of God. It's bloody hard. I tried to do uh, some interviews and every single time. I, I swear the mechanics do it on purpose. It is what it is. It's, that's the environment. There's nothing you can do about it. This isn't Formula One. There isn't a media pen. This isn't... I can't... Oh, Prado, I know you want a bit of a roll now, really saying, but could you just like, let's cut for five minutes because your mechanic's doing something on the bike. Right, back, here we are then. Where were you? Like, that's not going to work. It is what it is. I try and take the riders to a quiet place. Like, I took Prado out of the awning to try and minimize that in case it happened. Just, it is what it is. This is motocross. We're not in a fancy old environment. We're in a field where mechanics have air guns. It is what it is. I am sorry. I am sorry. At Kevin C430, why does Lewis insist on shitting on every GP track? I don't shit on every GP track. What you'll see here, Kevin, is that I talk to the riders and the riders do that. So then I'm just conveying what the riders said. Every rider I spoke to did not like La Capelle for a GP. They said it's a fun track to ride. It's a fun track to practice on. Not for a GP. I can't remember who said it, but a rider last week said that Tushantol was one of the top three worst prepared tracks of all time. Wow. What can I do with that? Mantova, many people said, just not like the prep wasn't great and it wasn't really a, a nation's track. It's a good GP track. wasn't really a nation's track. Obviously, you're, you're bumping up the expectation level at that point. Sardinia, yeah, I think that was just me who wasn't really a fan. That was actually quite a good track, so maybe I'll, I'll take the L on that. But, um, no, and I don't shit on every track because I, I, I like Latvia, I like Lomo. It's just we've had a bit of a, uh, a uh, little run lately. But um, yeah, it's just, it's, I, just convey what, I just convey what the riders tell me. Yeah, but it's not your own pr- opinion. You're just going with what the riders are saying. Well, I also think it. I'm not an idiot. I walked, to, I walked up to the track on Saturday, saw the corner after pit lane and was like, Jesus, this looks like a mountain bike trail. I'm not also not an idiot. What? (laughs) You are. What? You are an idiot. Why? That 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 track was better than most of the tracks. Like the the fact that you're excited to go to Spain with a track in a car park, all because there's a mall and there's going to be good food for you. You you're not you don't even think about the tracks. All you think about is the experience. Thank you for putting words in my mouth, James. I'm excited to go to Spain because work is going to be very easy, and I'll be able to get a lot more work done. So for me, as a professional, it's quite going to be quite a productive weekend. Brilliant. Because as long care as you're about... okay, as long as you're okay, that isn't my that doesn't impact else. my opinion on the track, though. When if someone asks me about the track, I'll talk about the track. I'm just saying I'm looking forward to going okay. to Spain so as what's, an event. What's the, what's the Spanish track like? It's not as bad as everyone thinks. It's shit. Says the man it's who sat shit. on his couch last year and watched it on TV, and he probably didn't even watch it. It is shit. It is basically a, a, 
a rough piece of land next to a shopping mall. You would be surprised at the elevation if you went there. I'm sure oh, of that. fuck off with your elevation. It is a shit track. For us it, to it find a, a location for a man-made track that's got an elevation, to me, that is all... I'm, I'm talking... I am lowering expectations for the man-made track. I am not looking at every track as a whole. Like, I am looking at man-made tracks and going, well, Indonesia was a flat piece of land. This has got some elevation to it. So that's an improvement. Like, I'm looking all, all at it like tracks. That. Yeah, Indonesia is not renowned for its tracks. In Spain, there are four or five very good tracks which could be host a GP, not a car park. Talavera de la Reina. See, like, Talavera de la Reina, yeah, I'll take that over into Xandu. I will. Good, we're agreed then. But yeah, but like, again, this is where you put words in my mouth. Just because I say I like the Spanish event doesn't mean I'm saying this is the best track in Spain. I'm just saying as far as man-made tracks go, it isn't the worst. It's quite a good positioning. It's quite a good position for the man-made track. Well, I, I, I just think that, okay, La Capelle, it was hard to pass and it was narrow. However, some riders still were able to pass, make passes and create great racing. But the track itself was awesome. It was fun. It was fun to watch. It was fun to see on TV. It did look good on TV. I told you that. It wasn't yeah. a bad track. That's what I'm saying. I never said it was a bad track. I never said it was a shit track. It was a cool track and it was a cool experience. What I'm saying is for a GP, we probably needed to be a bit more open for passing. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Like, that doesn't mean I'm saying it's, this is exactly, this is how you, this is how you portray everything I say. Just because I'm saying one negative to something doesn't mean I'm saying the entire thing is shit. You have to understand where I'm coming from. I, I, just, I just think the way that you're excited about Spain, uh, you shouldn't be. Who said I'm excited? What, have I even mentioned what? Spain I on spent this? All, I spent all weekend with you. You're very excited about Spain. Yeah, because... That's all you kept going on about because, in the car. Because in France, Spain is. in France, we got told there's going to be no Wi-Fi today. You may want to go back to the hotel if you need to work desperately. So I'm quite excited to go to Spain and be able to do my job well. That's exciting to me. So, uh, hang on a minute then. I'm so, not a spectator. I'm not, I'm not excited to go to Spain and spectate. I'm excited to go to Spain and have an opportunity to do my job the best I very can. Right, so you go to Spain and let's just say there's something wrong with the Wi-Fi uh, in the mall next door and at the track. Uh, there's no Wi-Fi. How great would Spain be then? But you're, again, you're missing the... No, no, I'm just asking, point. I'm, what I'm saying the is the track and the, and the event and the infrastructure are all different things to me. I'm talking about them all differently. The question. I can't answer that question because it's not really a question because I'm talking about... What, you saying, I'm, what? Giving you, I'm giving you a scenario. There's no Wi-Fi, a bit like in Lapcapel. There's no Wi-Fi at the track and you're left with a shit You're literally track. missing the point completely. Us not having now. Wi-Fi at the press room doesn't mean that... Oh, La Capelle was actually really wide. I just see it as narrow because I'm pissed off I haven't got Wi-Fi. Not at all. Like, how have you come to this conclusion? Because you like Spain because there's a mall next door. No, this is exactly what you get. There's something in your head about me and you just go mental on it forever. Here we go. That, cold enough your... It's a cold enough an opportunist, James. Do you want to bring that up again? You haven't run Jesus that one Christ. for another... You're, sh you're, you're shouting at me again. Is that your microphone fell, off, fell over? That was my phone. Okay. I was writing down the questions. Right. Okay. Right. Next question. You're putting words in my mouth, and I don't like. Next it. question. Was that even a question? <laughs> 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 I'm 
Because I'm, I'm looking at a sheet and I can't see any questions about... I don't know, but when you go off on one, it makes a great podcast, so carry on. At In The Scotlight, quite clever if his name is Scott, who's replacing 222? I don't think there is going to be a replacement for 222. Uh, I think it'll be one MXGP rider at Ducali next year, that being Prado. So um, I don't think there'll be a second 450 spot at Ducali next year. So technically no replacement for 222 directly. At Brad Myers, 22. Do you think Hurlings keeps the red plate this time? Yes, James? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to smash it. At Kelton Guiver, how's your MX manager going? Haven't had updates in a while. Hmm, James, why haven't we talked about our MX managers in a while? Uh, well, I keep forgetting to enter my team, so that's an issue. Um, so, yeah. When was the last time you entered a team? I don't know. That long ago. Yeah. Maybe Sardinia. What was that? That would have been round 10. Let's see here. No, there was no team in Sardinia. Maybe Turkey? One of, one of the Turkeys, maybe? Hey, we're now talking a month ago. Yeah, it's not going well. Uh, no, no team in Turkey. Mm, let's move on. Oh, well, actually, I thought maybe I'll talk about my MX manager team. Okay, you talk about your MX manager team. How are you getting on? I don't know what's happened. I was on a really, I was going really well before Germany. I was up to second in the overall championship thing. I think I actually led it at one point. I was really like, everything was going well. And since Germany, I think my teams are quite good, but for some reason it's working out. Like when I uploaded the results on Sunday night from France, in my head, I was like, oh, I wonder if I've won this week. Because in my head, I was like, my team was that good. Like, I wonder if I've won this week. Instead, I went from eighth overall to 18th overall, which is quite a big jump in one week. And yeah, like, I don't know. I just seem to be like, I went from second, before Germany, I was second overall. Then I went back to eighth. Then now I'm back to 18th, which is really like pissing me off because I feel like I've had quite good teams. And I'm almost 100 points out of win now, but I'll keep trying. Well, there's still six rounds left. Everything to play for. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I'm dropping. I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't know why my teams are going so badly. Like, I actually can't remember who I had at the weekend, but I had Harrop, so that was good. I think I had Tonus, so that wasn't good. But yeah, I don't know. It's just not really, it's not really working for me at the moment, but I'm, I'm, I'd like to win because I think it'd be quite funny. Well, yeah, put your money where your mouth is. At Thomas underscore SB93, when was the last time an MXGP, brackets MX1, championship was decided in the last moto of the season? Off the top of my head, you would have to go back to 2008 or 2007. Was that Coppins and Everts? No, no, that was neither of, actually. 2008, Philip Hartz won the championship by 14 points over Ramon in the end. But he lost 10 points in the final moto of the season. So that gap was actually, actually, let me, I, I can actually look. Heading into the final moto of the season in 2008. Actually, I can't look at that. But, so that wasn't like super close, but it was still decided in the last moto of the season. And in 2007, Ramon won the championship by 33 points over Strybos. Yeah, that was it. That was the last time that we've had championship fights even, even like half as close as this. But actually, let's do a little comparison quickly. After round 12 in 2008, which was three, there was only 15 rounds in 2008. But after round 12, Philip Hartz led the championship by seven points. 
Coppins was 35 points behind in third. Barragan was 31 points behind in fourth. And Dadaika was 31 points behind in fourth. So actually, 2008, with three rounds to go, the top five were separated by 31 points. Wow. That's quite, that's quite, I'm quite surprised by that. What a season. <laughs> How old were you in 2008? 12. Is that when you, were, you had your own little sticker book and you were writing your blogs, built a magazine? Uh, no, that was before was that then. Before that. Before then. That was like 2005. <laughs> At Cal Crossland 26, will we ever see MX2 and MXGP world champions as young as Roxon and Geyser? You can go. Uh, I would say the next person could be Kaido Wolf. Yeah, but he, he, would have to, he would have to win it like now to be as young as Roxon. Hmm. Or next year. I guess next no. year would still count. Yeah, if it if it was yeah, if it was next year, um, it depends on, on you know his progress over the winter. But from what we've seen this year, he's he's probably the closest we got. I think as far as talent like coming up, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon because I don't see anyone coming through EMX one two five or EMX two fifty that's going to um, make that imp like make that impact. You know, I don't see like I don't see someone I don't see someone coming up through the ranks who's so good that I'm like oh wow put them in MX2 now like you know so I don't think that's going to happen for quite a while now but you wouldn't expect it to those those were phenomenal talents and um, you're only going to get that once in a blue moon yeah agreed agreed at rhyme dude what did Jeremy mean when he said you will be having a bad time after the post race interview oh. Well, what was that? Was what was that a Santa impression? Nope, that oh. was uh, the alternative podcast, which you can listen to at the end of the show. Yep, yep, you can apparently. Yep, and uh, it's fantastic. No, I have no jurisdiction apparently. Yep, it's fantastic. So if you if you are a little bit fed up of the usual post race podcast and you want a little bit of spicing up, then uh, yeah, hang around to the end of this podcast. At NR, oh, sorry. Hello. At NR, oh, I might be done for the podcast. At, at NR235 underscore, why does TC222 run sometimes 100% goggles and sometimes Raysar goggles? He's got a deal with 100% with Raysar so that like 100% do a Raysar collab goggle. So... Sometimes he'll run the collab goggle and sometimes he won't. So that's why. Like the, but the Raysar goggle is a legitimate deal with 100% where they, uh, they build a collab goggle, essentially. So nothing, I mean, cool. quite, quite interesting, but no big conspiracy there. At underscore Tan Award, where do you see Dylan Wright finishing in the last five rounds in Italy? James? Hmm. Uh... I strongly believe that he can be in the top 10. Yeah. Um, but for safety purposes, I'll go with 11th, 12th, 13th. Yeah, i got to agree with you. It's just so stacked. Um, yeah. I mean... Yeah. I, I would say for safety reasons, I would say uh, uh, 11th to... 11th to 15th, yeah. At Braden underscore 212, is Renault truly faster than Gertz now? I think so. 
I think Absolutely. so. I don't think we like, we haven't seen those raw flashes of speed from Gertz. We haven't seen anything from Gertz. At this moment in time, Gertz is merely a guy out there. Like he's not he's just another guy inside of a top five. Whereas Renault is obviously you look at Renault's aggression and speed and pace from France, it was incredible. I don't I don't think it's just been just this year as well. There was glimpses last year that we've seen that he was getting towards that level. Who, Renault? Yeah. Well, he won one GP, but apart from that, I wouldn't have said he was any better than like Watson and Beaton. No, but I would say that some rounds he was, he was there or thereabouts with Gertz. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'll, 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 go, I'll go with that. Yeah, so it's, but now he, I think he is just a level above. And I think that whole confidence thing of winning races and leading the championship is uh is really resonated with him and he's just stepped up. At Aston one three nine, if you had to pick any MXON to go back and rewatch what year and why. I don't know if this means on TV or in person. Uh my one of my favorite ones was Bud's Creek two thousand and seven. Carmichael in Villapoto. I think it was Tim Ferry. I think it was Tim Ferry. It was Tim Ferry. Yeah. But I think it was like, because Villapoto really kind of like came of age at that point um, in just blitzing everyone. And it was Carmichael's last ride, I think. So, yeah, for me, that was, uh, I was a little bit drunk then as well. So possibly, probably should just add one or two less so I could really have remembered the day a bit better. I'll tell you what what I'm thinking. Um, oh, 2006 Matley with Everett's in, in Stewart. That was another great one to be at. 2016 at Majora was much better than I think that, look, much better than I think those of us remember or recall. Maybe because it was so recent. But when you think about it, like, it went down to the very last lap in a moto. I think there was a pass on the very last lap that decided the winner. There was a whole Anderson incident. Team USA were right in the hunt. Like, they were right in the thick of the battle. It was one of the true times where we had a, A, a race to the very last lap, but also a battle between European countries and America that was to the very last lap. Every other time... Also, Ricky, Ricky Johnson was there. I didn't really do anything for me personally, but... Yeah, it was a great moment. Great Whatever moment. floats your boat. So that was, I, think that, I think that Motocross of Nations doesn't get enough, enough uh, credit, I don't think. And it was packed. It was, you just couldn't move. That was kind of Majora's downfall as well, wasn't it? Because it didn't have any um, planning permission on the, the stuff there, which they built. It was only the bridge. And it all came to light when, um, obviously, there was like 70,000 people there. I would like to go back to Erne 2005. That was cool. That was a very um, big, that was a big point in Lewis's life. Did you go there? Yeah. Wow. 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 I'm quite surprised. Why? Did I was just surprised that you went there? I didn't go there by myself. Was no, I know. You went with you. Yeah, I know. I know. But um, I'm just quite surprised that you went. At SWAT Racing, has Jed Beaton been underwhelming? There was a lot of dots, so I just added that for dramatic effect. What, what are your thoughts? Because... He's top five. Again, showed um, some glimpses. Os and Turkey being quite good. 
but the rest of it's. I thought he'd be more in more in a title hunt this year. Well, underwhelming is a strong word, but um, he came into the season a little bit banged up, so that delayed him at the start of the year. Um, he had a, obviously a hard crash at Matterley, so that hurt him points wise. Um, I definitely thought he would have won a GP and probably had more podiums by now. But still, underwhelming is a strong word, I think. But I definitely think he's capable of achieving more. Like, I don't think we're seeing the very best out of him yet. I don't think, I still, like, no doubt that he deserves or he's capable of winning GPs. And actually, he's only got six more opportunities to do it in MX2. So that's a stressful time. But stressful time. This, this time last year, we said the same about Ben Watson. And then he blitzed the last few GPs, didn't he? Yep. Who From Lobo onward. So, so, who, so there's nothing, there's nothing which, said, you know, we've seen it done before. There's no reason why Jeb Beaton can't turn a corner and win a GP this year. At Stevie underscore B1988, where will 919 be next year? No one knows. Uh, anything that's reported about him being linked to somewhere is false. He has nothing signed at the moment, nothing decided, and he's not close to getting something sorted. So anything you read is false that says he's linked to somewhere or he's close to going somewhere. At the moment, that is false. He, is, he has no real leads at the moment. But, but has an option for a Yamaha for another year. I, he didn't tell me. I didn't get to that on the record, so I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Obviously, just... Uh... The other side of the journalism table uh, got that. Moving over to uh, another part of the uh, questions experience. At Chris United 93, if Fever wins the MXGP title and Renault secures the, secures the MX2 title, that's two titles for one country. When was the last time this happened? 2008 springs to mind with Philip Arts and Crowley and many times Belgium before. Crowley didn't win MX2 in 2008. He won it in 2007. Uh, 2008, Rattray won. MX2. So that it wasn't uh, the case that time. It wouldn't have been a case at all with Italy. Uh, wouldn't have been the case in 2015. Wouldn't have been the case in 2016. Wouldn't have been the case in 2017. Wouldn't have been the case in 2018. Um, 2019, no. 2020, no. 2006, no. 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 I don't know. Not in the modern era, that's for sure. You'll have to go back to the 125s, 250s, 500 days which is actually quite surprising. You would have thought Belgium or France or someone like that would have pulled it off more recently. But um, obviously any time guys has won a title, that kind of strikes that year from the record because there's not going to be another Slovenian in the other class. And ever since, ever since 2008, Crowley's been the only one really flying the Italian flag world championship-wise. Uh, so, yeah, no. You'd have to go part back past 2003 for a little closer look at that to uh, really, really find your answer there. It would be cool for Fevre to win the title for Kawasaki. I do believe that. At AJ Ward 16, anyone following LP's tweets is obviously a keen MX fan who is most likely either watching MXGP TV or following live timing. So would his time be better spent giving us live updates on what we can't see but can make good content with occasional running order updates? I don't really know what he means. Well, what he means is instead of uh, just constantly putting out kind of positions and stuff like that, uh, maybe like literally what you can see more of because you do it sometimes with like uh, what's on the pit boards and uh, what's going on. Being more a sort of uh, reacting to what's going on around rather than just focusing on who's where. There's a lot of pit boards updates this weekend. Just gone. Um, I think it's constructive criticism, which is actually quite good. 
The only thing is, I would say that no, not all the tweets are like the tweets are for people who are sat at a track themselves, or they're at a family thing, or they're shopping, or they're in a restaurant, or they're driving, or like they're on a different time zone, or you, like that's yeah, there are people who are sat on MXGP TV, but there are also the people who are walking around a shopping mall and just refreshing Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. You just said Twitter. Did the mic cut? No, out I said Twitter. I think it was a mic. Okay, in a mic. That's interesting because when you said country earlier, uh, obviously tree was uh, separated, so that was the microphone as well. I think. Okay, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> of course you do. At Chris Matthews thirty two. Any more news on Triumph? Is it going to be a pick and mix like a Fantic, or is engine and frame going to be original? Two stroke, four stroke, or even electric? Um, you won't see Triumph racing until 2023. Not sure on what sort of displacement it will be, but it will obviously be a four-stroke for 2023. But I think they are already thinking about electric from what I hear. I think that is already on their mind, at least. A lot of talk about electric for the last couple of weekends, randomly, in a paddock, and like when that's going to happen and stuff. I think it will happen one day. I don't think we can get away from that. But um, Nope. At CR Dory. Oh, my, um, my voice is really going now, so I'm just soldiering on. At CR Dory, Olsen, Vlander, and Watson and Beaton all had fairly similar successful MX2 careers on factory teams. Which of these can you see continuing on a factory team and having the best MXGP career? You could throw Barame in the mix as well. James. What was the question? Oh my God. Olsen, Vlander, and Watson and Beaton all had fairly similar successful MX2 careers on factory teams. Which of these can you see continuing on a factory team and having the best MXGP career? If I say Ben, then I'd be too obvious. So I will say, um, I don't know, actually, because I do actually think it'll be Ben. It's a hard one because what's Flander in 25, 26 now? This is only his second year in MXGP, so 25. 25. Damn. I think it's going to be between the two of them. I think it's going to be between Vlanderen and, and Watson. I think Olsen will do well because we've seen him do well in EMX 250 and then stepping up until, into MX2. He was quite young. Um, but I do... Yeah, I just feel that... Yeah, my, my worry is, is where Watson goes next year. I think that's going to be... I think next year is a real crunch time for both Vlanderen and Watson because I think whoever gets that factory ride, um, I think is probably going to go on and have you know, a, a pretty successful career. But you never know. But I, I would say at the moment, oh, damn it. It's, it's really close between the two of them. I, I think Beaton and, and Olsen would do well, but I, th- I can, I can kind of see Flandering in, in Watson eventually winning races. What do you think? I'm trying to save my voice for a little bit, and that was a very long answer. But Vlandering and Watson are the, are the hot prospects right now. At Jamnik Philip, question to James. Lewis was named recently the Jeffrey Hurlings of Moto Media. On what level of greatness do you see him in 10 years, or does he retire by then? Oh, it, it'll, be, uh, it'll be replaced by then. Um, there's, there's a lot of up-and-coming journalists which are very, very good. No, I'm only joking. It's, it's really bad. Um, 
yeah, I think kudos to you. I think you you you're doing a very very good job. Um, I think you're recognised in America, which is uh, I think is a testament to yourself. I'm not trying to give you uh, a big head or anything, but I think yeah, I think. You, but I think you've worked hard. This has not just been the last couple of years. You've been smashing it for eight years. So, um, you know, ever since uh, Roger DeCosta said, did you want an autograph as you stood there uh, with trying to get your first interview? So, um, yeah, I think probably in 10 years' time. Um, will you still be in the, in the MXGP paddock in 10 years' time or will you be full-time in America? Oh, don't That's say the question. that. Oh. That's the question. Hmm. Where do you see yourself in 10 years' time? I'll sign up for America. Yeah, so let's say America. Yeah, maybe 10 years' time we'll see you in America and maybe we'll have a bit of an MX Vice, um, more of an American feel, and then we'll have MXGP as well. So who knows? Or you could be, you could be in, uh, working for somebody else. Who knows? Fixter 420 what's up with every track this year being one-lined and hard to pass on? After every GP, at least one of the riders mentions it. Is it just the calendar of the season, or does track prep and the one-day format have something to do with it, or is it the level of riders this year? Um, well, the calendar has something to do with it, because the way that we are racing this year, we have more of a threat of rain, obviously, at this time of year. So when there's a threat of rain, they're not going to rip it as deep, they're not going to do all of that, they're going to leave it sealed, which then when it doesn't rain, means that it's just hard pack and doesn't like, not as many lines form. Think about the beginning of the year, like Matley, we had a threat of rain, so the track was pretty sealed. It wasn't ripped as much. The rain never came, so it was very hard and very fast. You could also blame COVID a little bit because we never would have gone to a track like La Capelle. Otherwise, we would have been at St. John, which is wide open and like, no one will say that's one-lined. Um, oh, yeah, the one-day format does have something to do with it because most of the times they are cleaning the track up completely on a Saturday night now, whereas when it was two days MXGP and MX2, they um, left it for the most part on a Saturday night. Um, and also, when you've got WMX and EMX two-strokes, the track isn't getting that rough on a Saturday anyway. So, obviously, no, there's no replacement for 450s racing around there with the best riders in the world on a Saturday. Like, nothing's going to make it rougher than that. Be the end of it. Yeah, that's all. That's, uh, I think we're going to let in the questions there. I feel like we did quite a lot anyway. Sorry to yeah. everyone who didn't get their question answered. Obviously, we're on a set time limit and my voice is going rapidly. So, yeah, but thank you for sending them in. And we may even get to some of your ones from this week, next week. Who knows? That was Liat Ask Vice Anything, presented by Liat, of course, known for producing the world's most effective neck braces. Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet with 360 turbine technology and free bulletproof velocity goals, Liat has you covered. Shopliat's extensive line of off-road gear, including the impressive 2022 range of gear, 3.5 ride kit, which is a cheaper jersey and pant combo, the 4.5 enduro jersey and pants, the 4.5 jersey and pants, and the 5.5 jersey and pants on liat.com. I think now would be a good time for our second commercial break. So that concludes part two, which was presented by Technical Touch. With an air oil separated closed cartridge design that is well known in the MX world, the KYB factory kit suspension from our friends at Technical Touch was perfected on one of the toughest tracks in the MXGP series. You too can experience the best in suspension, like Jeremy Sue and Ben Watson, and close to home too. 
Visit technical-touch.com slash kyb-authorized-dealer to find an authorized KYB by Technical Touch dealer in your country. Take your ride to the next level. And of course, we would like to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Moto Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, Even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. That's part two. We will be back shortly with the final part of the MX Vice Show, episode 85. Thanks for listening. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. For over 60 years, Blenzel Racing Caster has been the secret choice for many championship-winning riders and engine builders. From top tuners like Terry Varner and factory-level riders like Michael Essie, who won the 2020 two-stroke world championship using Blenzel, nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzel's full line of caster-based two-stroke oil. From the original green label racing caster to the 455 Ultra or the versatile gold label, Blenzel has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop Blenzel's full line of 2T and 4T racing lubricants, visit Blenzel.com and follow them at Blenzel on Instagram. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to episode 85 of the MX Vice Show podcast. And wow, my voice is back. That's something random that I didn't expect. This is the final part of episode 85, wrapping up the MXGP of France. We've done that fairly um, extensively at this point. But there's still some more to come. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting MX Vice. Thanks for thanks for being there. Thanks for being a friend. Thank you for being a friend. This is the final part. And as always, that is presented by Crocs Performance Parts, who supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Crocs Racing Parts offers exceeds the highest level requirements for all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. If you're not factory and you want to be factory, you choose Prox. Quite simple. I've said it many times. No matter the CCs, no matter the year, no matter the model, Prox have parts for you. They're called Prox Racing Parts for a reason, of course. And if you go onto pro-x.com, it's really quite simple to find everything that you need. You just go on the homepage and on there, you select a mate of your bike, you select a model and you select a gear, you click show results and then you have everything you could want. For instance, right now, while I'm on the podcast, I'm just going to click Yamaha. I'm just going to click YZ85 for those of you who have an 85 rider out there. And then I'm going to click 2017. I'm going to click show results. And wow, I have many, many, many products listed for a Yamaha YZ85 2017 and the part number to make ordering that much easier. The air, I've got a Prox air filter, brake discs, brake pads, brake rebuild kits, cables, carburetor rebuilder, carburetor rebuilder kits, chain roller, clutch baskets kit, clutch friction plates, clutch pack kit, 
scrolling down, it's a very long list. Wheel bearings, thrust, wa- thrust washers, retaining clips, rear sprockets, pistons, piston pins, everything you could want. And that's on a wise, that's a 2017 YZ85. Imagine if you put in a 2012 CRF450. Might be worth just heading to pro-x.com, chucking your details into that parts finder, essentially, and just seeing what, what it spits out for your bike. Maybe you'll find something that you didn't even realize you needed. And then there you go. It's a match made in heaven. You're then one of the many thousands and thousands of Prox customers around the world. Take my advice. And of course, I would like to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Technical Touch, KYB, even Strokes, MXGP TV, Backyard Design UK, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. How you doing, James? Uh, doing very, very well. My voice is uh, holding up, unlike yours. I bet you wish yours wasn't, because you're such a fan of me that you just, you're like, oh, Lewis has got a bad voice. I wish, my, I, wish I had a bad voice. Uh, not uh, likely. Would you say that I am the wind beneath your wings? No. No, I reckon you're a storm that I have to head into every week. Okay, just wondering. How was France? Did you enjoy yourself? Yeah, it was really good. Um, great to be back. Uh, it was, do you know what? It's one of those GPs where i um, pleased to like go, because it was such a unique event. Like I said, it literally, the, the track is pretty much in a tang. So um, there's literally houses all on one side. You, you, it, it was just a unique event. And the fact that we were, the football pitch was in the middle. Um, and even like the, the, the brick wall, which is surrounding the, the football pitch, literally had a mural of um, every rider that's won the international event, which was really cool as well. So it's like the whole town just loved and embraced motocross. It was phenomenal to see. So um, if it ever does pop up on the calendar, um, there's some fantastic little restaurants. Um, Are like, there? Did you go to any? No, because unfortunately, um, uh, the, the the team that I, I I go away with not really into the the rustic kind no. of local cuisine. No, so please, please don't, Lewis. You do not want me to go there. You are the fussiest eater in the world. Um, taking you into a rustic restaurant would be the worst thing in the world. If, if your McDonald's chips come out with a little bit of potato skin on, that's it, you're out. You're tapping out, and you're out by the car. So all I would say is there's some nice little restaurants, uh, bakeries in the morning, doing fresh panel chocolates. It was awesome. So, Did you uh, go to a bakery in the morning? I must have missed that. No, Stephen Sword did. Brought back a, a load of uh, fresh panel chocolates. So uh, big, big shout out there to Stephen Sword for the bakery. The reason uh, you didn't good. go to any restaurants was because they closed at 7 p.m. Well, that's the other problem with uh, going with... And we were at the track later than 7pm, so that was the reason. So, yeah, that's a a bit of an issue because Lewis likes to like make sure everybody stays there till 11 o'clock at night. Not just Lewis. Uh, I think it was. I'm sorry that I'm busy. Yeah, busy talking. All you do is go around just talking to people. I actually didn't talk to anyone this weekend. My my voice was too bad. Anyway... You went from how was my weekend to you being involved in a conversation again. Well, this is a talk show, James. Sorry, I didn't realize you wanted this to be the James Burfield show. What else have you got to tell us about then? Uh, Well, actually, in the James Burfield show, when I was talking to both, well, talking to Jeremy, Calvin and Ben, they all have all recommended that I need to be more involved. They've all messaged Uh, me privately and said sorry. No, shut up, they haven't. 
th- th- there's no way they would say sorry because they actually were, were having fun doing it. So it was just fun. I don't know. No one apologizes for fun. I don't know. Unless you're Lewis Phillips. How was your weekend, Lewis? <sighs> Stressful. I didn't know if I was going to be able to do post-race podcasts because I didn't think I'd have the voice for it. Made the last minute decision to go out and try and my voice actually held up okay. So that was, I was quite happy with that. Obviously, especially getting a Prado interview and stuff. But apart from that, there was no Wi-Fi, which meant that I literally on Sunday, I couldn't update anything other than Twitter, which was not ideal when you have a website to run. Pat, stress, even now thinking back, actually, that's quite that stressed me out quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was all right, though. It was great. It wasn't very nice having you back. I'm looking forward to having another eight months of you not doing GPs. Brilliant. We've penciled you in, haven't we? Your next GP is going to be Tushin Toll 2024. Fuck off. Um, I might be back. I might be back in Trentino. Not a moment too soon, either. That is just just Trentino right. or Mantova, maybe both. Who knows? Well, Who in, the, knows? in the in the car, you were talking about going to Majora at one point. When you went, I might go to Majora, and then we had to say, "Oh, it's Mantova." Could be. Oh, I was probably <laughs> so tired from all the driving I'd done. I don't know. It seems like you seem to me like as an outsider, like you shared driving. Uh, I think you done four hours, but you kept trying to go on your phone um, as you were driving, which we all literally feared for our life. I run a media business. Um, that means I have to be I have to be contactable. Yeah, whatever. It was nice to be back. It was good. Good fun. Well, I'm happy. You're happy. <laughs> because as we know, the world revolves around you. And if you're happy, then the rest of us have no choice but to be. It's funny you say that because the world definitely revolves around you. As uh, you know, Sean, Wes, and myself can um, can. Yeah. You're very narcissistic. Oh, we were uh, funny. Funny story. Uh, on the way to uh, France, uh, as always, we we get bored, so then we start um, analysing everybody, and we worked out that uh, Lewis is a narcissist. So that was nice. Anyway, moving on. Um, Planet Moto bombshell time. What have you got for us, James? Planet Motor bombshell time is the, probably the biggest bombshell to ever happen in motocross. We have got three fantastic interviews, real interviews, real post-race podcasts uh, from myself. So, uh, you know, um, I just wanted to literally just speak to the riders, let them be very open about their faults. Um, and there we go. And we've got it. I think you guys are going to appreciate it. I know Lewis appreciated it. There's, he learned a lot from the interviews. Um, and you're going to try and be a little bit more happier now, aren't you, Lewis? If you're 50, year old, 50 years old or pl- plus, or you have a sense of humor that is similar to that of a 50-year-old plus, these are for you. I barely cracked a smile. I actually felt sadder after they were finished rather than bring, them bringing me joy, to be honest with you. But that's just my opinion. What was your opinion, James? Well, if that's the opinion of Funtime Phillips, I'm not surprised why some of the riders were just pleased to see me. Okay. Well, like I said to you, if you just listen to my post race podcast, I'll take your feedback more valuably. Mm-hmm. I would, but I'm yawning after about the first minute. I don't know. The first minute this time was a lot of heat from Prado, so... My Planet Motor Bombshell, seeing as everyone's going to be very disappointed by yours, my Planet Motor Bombshell 
would be um, Ben officially confirming that he has been told there is no seat for him at Monster Energy Yamaha Factory MXGP. Obviously, it was speculated. We kind of thought it was going in that direction. But he said straight up, I have been told there is no option for me there. So um, that's big. That's out there now. That's, it's official that he is on the market. So um, yeah, that's, that's big, I think. I think that's huge. There's no doubt, as I said, that he deserves a factory ride. There's no doubt in my mind. There's no doubt that he's going to be one for the future. And there's no doubt in my mind that he'll be better next year. It just, it's baffling that a rider who ran top two this year, ran top three, finished top five, has um, not had a renewal of the contract. But thus is the world we live in. And yeah, I don't know. Other than, yeah, I don't know. Other than just, dis- 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 I'm disappointed. Will you be starting your own team next year with Ben? Well, obviously he's got a banged up foot at the moment, so I have offered mine. I was waiting for you to say that you were you offered to mas- massage it. I've just be... cut mine off. Transplant. And if, if it comes to it, yes, I will start my own team. There we go. You heard it here first. And at the very least, I will be continuing to run the wagon. Well, if you listen to my interview, uh, the wagon is down the hill uh, and it's in a ball of flames with you in it. Well, not that must be a decoy wagon because mine is running quite nicely. I have, you know. Mm. Well, no, Ben's actually pushing your wagon. He's, yep. he's got out and he's pushed your wagon down the hill and it's burst into a ball of flames with you in it. That's Ben's words. Not I mine. don't believe so. I don't believe you. It's very negative of you. It's just amazing I go to one race and when the real truth comes out. So, three ra- six rounds to go, three tracks. What are you most excited to see? Um, Christ. Don't, don't. Lake Garda? No, 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 no. On the track. Oh, on the Jesus track. Jesus Christ, James. The, the surroundings don't do anything to the race. You can't just, you can't, oh, what happens if Lake Garda is dried up? You're such a dick. I actually like Trentino track as well. But you can also like the surrounding area, and those can be two separate things. Yeah, but I'm not going you to can't see me right now, eye. but my middle finger is up. <laughs> what am I looking forward to? I'm, I'm, I'm uh, excited about the, the three MXGP riders which have 10 points separating them. Going into Spain is going to be interesting, but then obviously the triple header in Trentino. Um, it's, that, that's... This is what the last six rounds were all about, is basically those three riders. It is going to be phenomenal. What about you? Most uh, top of my list is Fevre. I'm just, again, interested to see what he does, how he does, what, whether he can just find that extra 0.5% to silver deal on some wins and claw points back. Fevre's just been fascinating this year, and I think he continues to be. I think we know what we're getting from Hurlings. He's going to be winning more often than not and hard to steal points from. And I think we know what we're going to get from Geyser. It's kind of similar. He's going to be up there no matter what and he's going to be hard to steal points from. Bever is like the joker in the pack. He really is. I'm interested to see what Prado's like this weekend, how big a turnaround that is in one week. Um, He said that racing in France actually helped his arm because it loosened it up a little bit. So interested to see what he can deliver in Spain because obviously he had a dominant 1-1 there last year. I'm interested to see Sua's rise, see where Sua gets to, see how he continues to grow and 
improve and see what his ceiling ultimately ends up being Grow. this season. What do you think he's going to get taller? No, he's not going to get taller. There is one thing actually which uh, we've not talked about, um, which I think is going to be great to see, is that Kamiya Yamaha winning a world title. Why is that going to be great to see? Because they deserve it. They've worked hard. Oh yeah. I think it'd be great for for um, Hans Corvers and Monique Perverts. It's it's going to be a great time. All the hard work they've put in to win the world title. And it will be the first non-Red Bull KTM MX2 title since 2015. There we go. Which is just mental when you think. That's a six-year streak. Nope, five-year streak. Like, at least doesn't happen too often. I'll tell you one thing. I want to say this before we go. We all need to be better with the Van Horbeck beta thing. We didn't even talk about him on the show. He actually rode phenomenally well. We all need to be better with the Van Horbeck beta thing. Because this is, imagine if F1, there was a beta car. It would be talked about to death nonstop with like, oh, what's it like on this track? What's it like on this track? What's it like today? What's it like in this weather? Blah, 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 blah. In motocross, beta have rolled up with a brand new team. They went to round one and everyone was interested. They finished in the top five and everyone went, eh, they're good. And that's it. We've all moved on. I feel like we need to bring some attention back to what they are doing and how things are going and like all of that sort of stuff. If only we had a journalist who could interview him and find out exactly what's been going on in, in their journey. If only we had someone there on the weekend someone. who had so much free time that they managed to mm. annoy riders. Hmm. Yeah. No, but it's true. I think, like, like I said, I, I think I'll put, like, I, I add myself in that category. We've all just kind of gone, yeah, they're good. Good for them. But I think maybe that's partly because they already had an enduro platform, so we knew it wasn't going to be that far off. Like they had a mo- they had a bike essentially, whereas Triumph is going to be an all new platform. So that'll be a bit more like, well, what's it like when it rains, and what's it like when it's dusty, and what's it like you know? Here's a question: If Ben Watson joins Beta next year, will you be interested? Yeah, but again, you're just completely missing the point. Again. I don't even know. I don't even know if I want to talk about this because I think you've just missed a point again, and it's disappointing. You disappoint me. Every like everyone in the world has just kind of let it go, and I just feel like there's more there. Like it's interesting. Let's let's give them some attention. Let's give them give them some love. Van Horbeek was unbelievable at the weekend, and he said before that hard pack is where the bike works best. So maybe that isn't a surprise. But even to start where he did in the first moto, that's impressive because starts are actually what he was complaining about to begin with. He needed more motor. So, um, yeah, just, just I feel like there's more, more to be told there. I actually tried to find Van Horbeck after the race, but he was, um, he was, I could see him like two, five steps ahead of me and he was walking out to the car park and I was like, ah, fuck. Yeah, because I haven't actually spoken to him in a while now. I think Jura was the last time I interviewed him. Yeah, you have your favourites. No, I have people I can find. This is, okay. Do you know what really grinds my gears? God. Just the one thing. I forgot this. This happened in Germany, actually, didn't it? There is no plan with the post-race podcast. There is no plan. I step foot out of the press room with a recorder in my hand, and I interview whoever I can find. Whoever is available. Whoever is there. Whoever Are there I any riders that you walk past and, don't, and think, oh, I'm not going to get them? At the beginning, yeah. 
but only because at the beginning, obviously, at the start of the night or the evening, there's a bit more pressure because I'm like, if I don't get one of the hot topic guys, then I lose them. So I'm like, ah, I should interview you, but I'm going to wait 20 minutes because I need to make sure that Hurling's Prado, in this case, weekend just gone, I need to make sure that Prado doesn't leave before I speak to him because like Prado is the interview that people are going to want. But then once I've got like, like once I had Prado in my bag, I kind of relaxed a little bit and just spoke to whoever I stumbled across. Um, but there is no plan. There is no, there is no purposely ignoring riders. So if you're out there and you think that I didn't interview you on purpose, you're wrong. Feel free to text me. And then, I'll, and then I'll just come and interview. Sua, weekend just gone. I couldn't find him anywhere, so I was going to leave him. And he just texted me and said, come to the team truck. I'm ready for an interview. And I was like, oh, brilliant. I'll do an interview then. But otherwise, there wouldn't have been a Sua interview because I just couldn't find him for shit. Um, so yeah, so if there are no any plan, riders huh? which are listening to this and you would like Lewis to interview you... Uh... No one cares. It's just certain riders seem to get uh, just have a bit of a grievance. I don't need can, they, can, they not, can they not call you? They could have. They could have. They could have messaged me and said, oh, I fancy doing it. I, I, I'd quite like to do an interview if they care that much, which apparently they do. Apparently they well, do because they want to have a word. Maybe you should um, email all riders with your contact details and say, anytime you want to do an interview on a Sunday night. But anyway, that's what, grind, that was, that's what grinds my gears. That's what grinds my gears. Just doing just my that best. One. Just and that one. Just doing my best. And all I get is grief at the moment. It's not very nice. It's not very nice of Lou. Poor Lou. Just out here trying my best. Go. Jesus Christ. Anyway. Anything else, James? <sighs> no. No, I'm tired. Let's go. Okay, that's the spirit. Obviously, when we go, James's special interviews are going to start. I would like to apologize in advance. They are not a Lewis Phillips approved a production. They are not the unique, the authentic MX Vice experience. So please don't judge the rest of us in MX Vice or for James's actions. Agree with that, James? Okay, brilliant. No. We'd like to obviously thank Fly Racing. Comrade Muse was wearing the 2022 gear and Formula Helmet weekend just gone. Liat Mikkelharap actually made steps forward uh, in his 2022 Liat gear weekend just gone. Really rising up the ranks at the moment. Planet Motor Holidays. Actually, I never said to Planet Motor Reed after the, after the Planet Motor Bombshell, did we? Because we went off on a little tangent there about men and stuff. So let me just remind you while we talk about Planet Motor, escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better. And you can still experience that right now. Planet Motor do, have, do still have packages available, but they're going fast. If I look at the list, the most recent list, October, sold out. November, sold out. Although there is a uh, November 22nd to November the 29th, there is a Josh Spinks training week, which still has availability. December, sold out. January, sold out. February, sold out. Yep, it's that in demand. However, February the 28th to March 7th, available. And everything from that day on, from February, March, April, May, is still available. So although you have to wait a little longer than you probably would want, you can go riding in Spain, February, March, April, May. And obviously just follow Planet Motor Holidays on Facebook because if I have a cancellation or something comes up, maybe you can slide in there and steal a spot. I saw that they were actually riding at night in Spain. Uh, not uh, yesterday, I think, which looked really cool. I didn't even know that was a possible in Spain. But 
that's the thing. You go with Planet Mode to holidays, you're getting expertise. With California, it's a bit more simple, isn't it? If I feel like it's much more simple to get where you to find out what you need to know in California, motocross wise. If I went to Spain, I wouldn't have a clue. So I would need someone like Planet Motor Holidays to guide me and take me to the best spots and enlighten me on how to do the trip the best possible. Not only that, they pick up your personal bike and take it to Spain for you. That is a hell of a plus in the Planet Motor Holidays column. And also there's a Planet Motor Academy as well, which came, comes with uh, customizable options. So what you're going to want to do is head to the Planet Motor Holidays Facebook page or head to planetmoto.co and then you can find yourself riding in Spain sooner rather than later. Strongly recommended by everyone. So yeah, we'd like to thank Fly Racing, Liat, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts. If you're not factory and you want to be factory, choose Prox, Technical Touch and KYB, Calvin Vlandering, Sever Brylayakov, Ben Watson, Jeremy Sewer, Glenn Koldenoff, Maxime Renault, Yago Gertz, all of those riders. They put their faith in Technical Touch and you can get exactly the same suspension, believe it or not. Even Strokes, I believe James's interviews are presented by Even Strokes. I'm not sure if that's a black eye on the company or a plus. You be the judge. MXGP TV, you're going to want to keep tuning into that because we have got, geez, I see it, six races in a month, I guess, or less than a month, actually. I think this year, in a month's time, we'll be done. Six, six races in like three and a half weeks now. Jesus. Backyard Design UK. Tommy Sell used Backyard Design UK graphics on his project build when he was ripping around a horse track recently for some reason. Asterix knee braces. Tim Geiser uses Asterix. You don't see them because they're under his gear, but he does indeed. Armour Nutrition. Conrad Muse uses armour and so does James Burfield. How are you doing, James? Yes, uh, I've actually been using armour for uh, my training and uh, it's fantastic. I recommend uh, Hydrate and also Reload. That's the two which uh, I've been using mostly over the past few months and um, definitely seeing the benefits. Yep, we'd like to thank all of those people. And just a reminder that this final part of the MX5 show was presented by Prox Racing Parts, who supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything the Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements for all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Final thoughts, James? Uh, my final thoughts are it's on Spain. Here comes Lewis. I uh, hope you are ready. And I cannot wait to watch uh, MXGP the weekend. But you won't be going to Spain? No, I am tapping out of Spain. Thank you very much. I don't want to go see that piece of shit track. <laughs> I, I, I just don't know what to do with you. Honestly, no. <laughs> uh, obviously, James's interviews are coming up as well. Again... Just make of them what you will. Thank you, people, for listening. I'm sorry. Um, obviously, my voice has probably been very annoying to listen to, more so than normal this week. Um, yeah, I was ill last week, so I was the reason why there was no show last week. So hands up. I was just too ill to even say a word. I actually had my voice last week, which is weird. When I was ill, I didn't have, I had my voice. Now I'm not ill, but I don't have a voice anymore. So it's very bizarre. I don't really know what's going on. But sorry, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, I'm sure I'll be back to normal next week with a normal voice. My brain will be a little more clearer and I'll actually be able to talk to more people this weekend because I'll have a voice. I had to go on voice rest on Saturday. Yeah, so thank you for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. That's James Burfield, who was actually at the MXGP of France. I'm Lewis Phillips. This has been episode 85. Thank you for listening to the MX Vice Show. See you next week.
Bye. This is James from MX Vice. I'm here with uh, Ben Watson, uh, the Watson Wagon, as uh, Lewis likes to call it. Uh, I'm pretty sure you don't like the idea of being on the Watson Wagon. Uh, not really. I think it's a bit of a stupid idea, like especially after a day like today. I mean, yeah. To be honest, who's going to want to join it? Yeah. I mean, I was riding around on the struggle bus, if anything. So, nah, the Watson Wagon it's gone down the hill it should probably stay there to be honest yeah. um maybe if we could just put lewis in the bus and push him down the hill as well what do you think yeah i mean to be honest, i actually haven't seen him this weekend um it's not been, been quite, working it's been quite a positive like the vibe been lifted a little bit actually sometimes when he comes over and he tells the truth so yeah yeah it's difficult when you're you're not really feeling good he just sometimes brings you down even more you know so it's good to to have the truth sometimes but yeah also, uh, not much we can do after tough day. We need to stay positive. But the great thing is, is obviously you were looking a little bit glum. I came along, and the first thing you did was smile. Yeah. So, have you missed that in GPs? Yeah. <laughs> to see you again, here, honestly, it's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, how, how long has it been, actually? It's been, yeah, way too long. So, yeah. no, no, it's amazing to have you back, James. And, yeah, I hope we can see you more often. Yeah. Uh, do you, is it a bit of a, you know, obviously you have to racing, that's part of your job. Um, but after the racing, you look forward to the interviews and I'm not there. And then you get Lewis and you know it's going to be all about the stats, all about, you know, yeah. racing, like blah, 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 motocross, motocross, motocross. And no one's having a joke with you. Yeah, a little bit too official. Um, like when we have James obviously comes over and just a bit more banter and I listened to one podcast where James is away and some guy called Tom came in and yeah like the, the oh. answer just wasn't there you know and then it's like to be honest, I haven't stat, listened to it stat overload yeah, yeah I haven't it listened to it stat. since then so yeah it's been uh, some things changing but no it's yeah amazing to have you back then do you want like more questions about like what you had for tea and um, what your favourite push bike is and stuff like that yeah like Obviously going on to the breakfast if you're in the hotel or something and to have someone film you like making sure you don't take like a pancake or make yeah. sure you have eggs and yeah. obviously all this this, yeah. gizmo, um, this is really important I think for, for everybody to really see what it takes for an athlete you know to be at their, their best. And I can imagine Lewis would be that like pancake police where I'd come in with throw a party, have some banter, maybe like have a monster energy or something, you know lighten the, lighten the mood. Yeah, I mean, pancakes, breakfast, the recipe, what goes into pancake, doesn't matter, does it? Yeah. The, the breakfast police like that, yeah. To be honest, you can't be doing them with it. I don't, I don't like, just, I don't want it to be all about me, but a lot of people said that they want more of me in the show and less Lewis. Yeah, I mean, just the atmosphere when, when James is just around, is like, you know, I love thinking about it when you're on the show, so, nah. Everyone, just take the opinions from everybody. Just listen to the people around us. You know, the riders, like, I spoke with Jeremy just a few minutes ago, actually. We're, like, we're talking. We haven't seen much of Lewis this weekend. And, uh, yeah, like, we thought, fuck, actually, you know, James coming doing the interviews. It's really, really good. Oh, this is, this is music to my ears, Ben. I appreciate the time and yeah, the no, effort thanks. you spent in this interview. It's been amazing having you back. This is fun times beginning. Thanks. So, Jeremy, here today, uh, obviously, it's nice to see speak to me this side of MX Vice, the fun side of MX Vice, where you used to obviously stats and seriousness. Uh, obviously, riding uh, was good today. Uh, it's my first time here. It, it can't be a coincidence that obviously you were performing well and I'm here. I think so because you know uh, 
I follow you guys and uh, it's great to see the shows and stuff, but we gotta talk to Luis because he's too much into stats and mathematics and so many GPs in a row, you know, too serious, you know, we need, we need uh, James back uh, in the show. This is great fun. Yeah. Uh, well, I know it's not all about me and um, Luis does play a little part in MX Vice. Um, but Very little. Yeah, yeah, just a, just a little. And, and obviously he's learnt from the best. So I think he forgets that sometimes. Do you think that's something that maybe riders need to remind him? Yeah, I think so. I'm doing so now. I, I got to go uh, to do an interview with him later and uh, I, will, I will push him. Uh, he, will be, he will not sleep well this night, I think. And um, obviously Lewis is a lot younger than me, but I was thinking maybe he could have a haircut like me as well. Um, yeah, what do you he think? Should. He definitely should. I, I have a bad running with him. I got a, he lost actually. Yes. So the deal was if, I, if he wins, I put him on my butt patch. He lost. But I, I think I still got to do it anyways. But I can push him maybe, yeah, to get your haircut and then it will, I will make it happen, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I really appreciate your time and it's good that the people can hear. Uh, I think they're in agreement that it, the, the show needs more humor, more me, uh, and less Lewis. Exactly, 100%. That's great. Uh, thank you for your time, Jeremy, and uh, apologies for that you have to do an interview now with Lewis. Yeah, it's okay, I will survive. Here today with Calvin Flandron, uh, Team Gavin. Uh, Calvin, obviously over the last uh, couple of months, uh, obviously ups and downs, but let's speak more importantly about the interviews that you've done. Have you noticed that this year it's been a bit of a struggle with MX Vice um, in talking to Lewis? Yeah. I've, uh, I don't even visit the website anymore, to be honest. I don't even listen to the podca podcast. I just, I find like it's really, um, the profession professionality is, is lacking and I feel like he's he's getting boring because he's doing the same things over and over again. And it's just, it's, it, it would be nice to have you back doing, doing them because he's just all the time, you know, like it's re repetitive. It's getting boring. Do you think it's become the Lewis Phillips show and it needs sort of more James Burfield? Um, you know, because I think I'm way more professional than Lewis and I know, I mean, he's got his stats, but I like to feel uh, I bring something else to the team. Yeah, I mean, he's so serious sometimes. You know, you need to have a little bit of a laugh sometimes. I feel like everyone is so serious in this paddock and he's, he's also turned into one of those serious guys who doesn't say much and always walking around with a with a face that's not so happy and you know I feel like you you bring a little bit of fun to to the to the podcast or to the to the um, interviews and I feel like we need this yeah uh, I feel like we're missing it we're missing it so obviously it's, it's too serious we need to have a little bit of fun it's, it's my first time back today so uh when I first seen you you smiled and that was the first time you smiled all year so I think that's a testament to what I bring to this paddock exactly I mean I saw you this morning and I put a smile on my face and I had a good day of racing so this is what I what I need I need you to come more often to the track well I didn't want to say it was related but I'm glad you brought it up <laughs> so um, do you think it needs more uh, less Lewis more James Burfield I feel like it definitely needs more James Burfield 100% I feel like it's uh, sometimes like I said getting repetitive boring and uh, I don't even listen to the podcast or things anymore because it's just always the same same bullshit we need some some fun and we need James back in, involved. Brilliant. This is exactly what the people, the, the real people, yeah. want to hear, Calvin. And I just want to appreciate the time that you spent in, in communicating this so that other people can 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 listen to this and make their own minds up. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm happy that you came today and uh, hopefully see you more. Thank you. Thank you very much. You are listening to the MX Vice Show.
Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better, and you can still experience that right now. Planet Moto still have packages available, plus customizable options with the Planet Moto Academy. If you want to hit the tracks like Red Sun as soon as possible, visit planetmoto.co for more information. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. For over 60 years, Blenzel Racing Caster has been the secret choice for many championship-winning riders and engine builders. From top tuners like Terry Varner and factory-level riders like Michael Essie, who won the 2020 two-stroke world championship using Blenzel, nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzel's full line of caster-based two-stroke oil. From the original green label racing caster to the 455 Ultra or the versatile gold label, Blenzel has you covered. To learn more about Blenzel's rich heritage or to shop Blenzel's full line of 2T and 4T racing lubricants, visit Blenzel.com and follow them at Blenzel on Instagram. Instagram. You are listening to the MX Vice Show.